Next week is vaccine week. <laughs> the world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gons as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is December 2nd, 2020. This is episode 271, and today, the Splinternet Wars. That's right, and uh, I'm back, baby. I'm your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we love Jesus, we love you, learning to love ourselves, and we're praying for our enemies. Who are That's closing right. in with their great resex splinternet pandemic? Wow. Oh no, they just keep getting closer and closer. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be back. This was a, a, a wild Thanksgiving um, season, Gonzo. Yeah, it's apparently was eventful. You got uh, cryogenically frozen. Yes, that was my CIA cover story. Oh, okay, which you which you executed perfectly. Thank you. Um, but just to to honor our uh, our our listeners and our viewers, who uh, you know, I really don't like missing shows. But believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, I do not like missing shows. Um, and this one was uh, I was totally planning on being back from Thanksgiving on Monday. Um, but I was in a, a, a uh, I was stranded. I was stranded in basically the middle of nowhere. Um, and there was nothing I could do about it. It was just nothing at all. There's a lot of crisis management. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of people who did not, uh, like me in their territory. Uh, so it was very difficult to find help. The institutions broke down. I truly felt like I was the king of the apocalypse, building my empire from scratch. Um, but I, I made it back. I made it back yesterday, which was three days. I was stranded for three days. Um, so it was uh, a little bit longer than I expected. But otherwise, you know, it's fine. Thanksgiving was fine. It's it just fine. How about yours? Uh, it was fine. Yeah. Good time with family okay. and all that. But um yeah, I was I was concerned for you because you told me your everything broke down, you're stuck out there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had planned to go live. I I was ready to go, um, and we were thinking maybe you'd call in, but no, no luck. Yeah, th- you were <laughs> things were looking good at the at first because I got I got stranded on Saturday, and uh, the show was on Monday, so I thought I could make it work, but. Uh, this it just didn't work it did not work out um oh and worst of all i'm fine giving this away it was in california visiting family in california and before i left i just didn't want to (laughs) go like mostly just because i didn't want to go to california it sounded like a mess i didn't want to have anything to do with it and of course, it was pretty much as bad as I could have uh, expected. So I was stranded in California for three extra days, which I was very uncomfortable with. Uh, I did have sort of moments where I was like, oh, no, they're going to get me. They're going to put me in a California FEMA camp and I'm going to just be disappeared. Yeah, well, especially since you were out in the 
the the netherworld of California. California is heavily populated up north, heavily populated down south. But there's yeah. like a a great, you know, it's got open- a lot of d- deserted areas. <laughs> yes, quite literally. <laughs> yes, and I was I was certainly in one of them. Uh, which just made it that much easier to stay stranded. But sure. that's uh, that's all in the past. I'm here. I'm back. I'm happy to be back. I see you, everybody in the chat. Thank you very much for the uh, the warm uh, welcome back to my own <laughs> my own podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. So, cool. anyways, uh, I heard you did a pretty good job on the show without me, though. I I was uh, I was missing you because I just have to keep talking. You can't like yeah. stop talking for about two, two uh, hours plus. Yeah. So I was at the parts where I was ready for you to jump in. I was like, Oh, I have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. That but. was revenge for baby week. Oh yeah. Well, yes, I, I don't all is going. It's not, it's not to too plan. hard for me because I'm, I'm used to doing a little bit of that with the, you know, the normal type of face, like the sun videos, yes, right. but it is a little different when you get into a rhythm. You know, and with, when uh, it's live too. Yeah, when you're live you know, too. If, when it's not live, you can edit out all the weird things and the awkward pauses. Babies. But, <laughs> yes, bothering when you. You're live. There's so, yeah, that, uh, less forgiveness. Those watching live caught it, but basically, my three year old like snuck under the desk the first like minute of the show, and <laughs> and and she just like popped her head out from underneath the desk, like right <laughs> as I was in the middle of you know, going live, talking to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it started off pretty disastrous, even without you there. It was, it was, I had my own sort of disaster <laughs> control at the beginning <laughs> and yeah. I had to uh, leave the mic on for about a minute of nothing as I walked oh, it was out. Like and a whole I ran thing. Yeah, it, it was, was yeah. like a whole event, not just like a funny uh, moment. No, I no, see. it was a whole thing. So yeah, okay. we all have our problems. Of our yeah. challenges of doing podcasts and imagine uh, that 2020 some, like we should expect disasters now but uh we're still catches us by surprise sometimes we're ready for a great brand reset oh yeah how about it okay. what do you think uh <laughs> we will need to talk to the producers okay but, uh it is about that time yeah um but uh speaking of branding and the great reset <laughs> did you have uh any updates on the election that we need to pay attention to yeah real quick uh, and so my question is very direct is voting by mail secure <laughs> so we've had the hearings the last few days arizona michigan uh there's um and a lot of it is you know we were talking a few weeks ago like hey just show us the evidence right. and there are uh, sworn affidavits. There's a lot of evidence, but uh, it, it appears the mainstream media is not covering any of it. And mm-hmm. it, on platforms like Twitter, you have a lot of people just sitting there going, oh, it's all dismissed because no mainstream media picks up on it. And right. I think Trump is uh, he's starting to get pretty annoyed with the whole situation. He's mm-hmm. pushing OAN and uh the, a couple other outlets that are carrying it. Uh, but one of the things he went into the last few days, this is the hill.com Trump threatens to veto defense bill over tech liability shield. And this is hmm. about uh, section two thirty in the, uh, you know, like the internet protection act. 
And right. do you, you know about Section 230? Have we talked about Section 230? Yeah, we've mentioned it plenty of times. This is the uh, the piece of legislation that protects social media companies yes. um, from being considered uh, publishers. Publishers, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so th- I'm, I, for those of you watching on screen, I have it up here. And the, the part in question in Section 230, uh, it's the protection for private blocking and screening of offensive material. Uh, the part in question is Section C, protection for Good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive material. Uh, and basically, you know, what it comes down to is because what a lot of people are kind of misunderstanding what this is. You know, some people are saying, oh, if Trump eliminates Section 230, then Twitter can ban him. And it's like, well, right. kind of. But the, the the thing that's happening right now is that because of Section 230, uh, you know, I, I saw a few, I did a you know whole deep dive on it over the weekend and, you know, there are, uh, there's like a Ted talk uh, with a lady talking about, we have to uphold two thirty. It's our free speech. You know uh, it's, it's basically like the constitution of the internet. It protects right. free speech, all this kind of stuff. And yes, on one hand, that's true. And platforms aren't responsible like Twitter, Facebook. They're not like a hundred percent responsible for everything everyone says on the platform. And that makes right. sense. It's what allows them to have people post horrible things on their website right. without them being liable for it. Right, right. But that's a separate issue from when they start tagging on to posts like this information is disputed, you know, like the whole uh, mm-hmm. thing that's fact happening. Checking. Yeah, the fact checking on every single Trump tweet in the last like month and mm-hmm. uh, suspending the. Uh, uh, who was it? The account of the press secretary stuff like for sharing the New York post article, stuff like that. Like that kind of stuff is going into the realm of edit be, being an editor, being a publisher, yeah. being, making these decisions. And, right. and so when, when that point is mentioned, people always say, like, I've seen a lot of social media people say, well, Twitter's a private company. They can do whatever yeah. they want. And it's like, no, they can't, you know? And the, and the prime example is that Sandman kid remember that sandman kid that was like uh there was a video that went viral of him like facing off kind of smirking at a native indian guy playing a drum in his face mm, and yeah. and he sued all these news agencies because yeah, of a it. bunch of money he won a bunch of money like millions of dollars yeah so, i think 23 million was what i last saw something like that and he sued a bunch of people nbc abc cnn all these guys and they're all private companies that can publish you know they can do whatever they want well no they can't and that's kind of the point, I think, that Trump's trying to make. Uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's as simple as, uh, you know, it, it, oh, tons of companies are private companies. Yeah. Uh, you know, say you have a, a mechanic shop and you own a mechanic shop. You can't suddenly start selling burgers just because you're a private company. Right. You know, there's licensing. There's, uh, you know, all, all sorts of reasons why. Well, it's a private company. It doesn't mean anything. There's mean still nothing. laws on private companies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's also similar to like uh, if a baker doesn't want to bake you a cake. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's a private company. <laughs> Such innocent no, times. They must they must bake the cake. The government says so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It- those seem like such innocent times compared to now. <laughs> I know. Remember when that was the biggest uh, story of the year was somebody, yeah. not even that somebody baked a cake. It's somebody didn't bake a cake. National headlines. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and if anybody's curious, um, Justice, I think it's Thomas Roberts or no, Justice mm-hmm. Thomas yeah. uh, wrote a whole thing uh, on why or why he thinks Section 230 should be amended and fixed to mm-hmm. prevent uh, platforms like Twitter from getting away with, you know, the sort of uh, sense it is censorship, you know, and it's uh, it's they're they're hiding behind it right now. But it theoretically, because they'll say, oh, Twitter's not a news news agency. Well, they have an entire news section. They they get, they editorialize what news people see, and that's why it's pretty crazy right now. When you go to the U.S. elections tab in the you know like your your Twitter news feed, and mm-hmm. none of the news feed includes any of the stuff from the hearings, from the court documents that have been you know uh, right submitted, the Kraken. And none of that stuff is there. And it's just interesting to watch this split happening of the, uh, the truth. The internet is literally splitting. And that's, that's part of the discussion here with the splinter. Yeah. Well, it's been interesting. I don't know if you mentioned it on uh, your solo episode on Monday, but part of the um, thing that's going on with the mainstream media reporting on it is there are lots of uh, cases being brought up in courts all around the country. Um, a lot of them are getting dismissed and the uh, the media is portraying that as, oh, see, there's no evidence. They tried right. to make a court case, but there's no evidence. Well, that's not true. Like you said, there's a lot of evidence, but uh, they're mostly not being they're not being allowed to bring the evidence because yeah. in the court proceedings, um, they're having issues with uh, with standing. And as I understand it, I'm no legal expert, but the way that uh, I've heard it explained is, you know, you can't just bring a lawsuit against anybody. Right. Even if somebody is going do- doing something wrong, you can't sue somebody else for doing something wrong unless you have something called standing, which means you can prove that you are directly impacted by uh, whatever you're suing them for. So a lot of these court cases are not even making it to the uh, point where evidence is even being considered or presented uh, because these court proceedings aren't making it past the standing uh, part, which uh, I don't fully understand what uh, who would and who wouldn't have standing in that sort of thing. But that is where it's getting hung up a lot. But of course, the mainstream media is uh, describing that as no evidence. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to have an interesting follow uh, at code monkeys with the Z at the end uh, on his name is Ron. He used to be the uh, eight Kun or eight Chen admin. And mm-hmm. now he's, he's just doing some investigative. He's a techie guy. And he's doing mm-hmm. some investigation on dominion and he, they have like video. Uh, th- this is what's crazy. They have like video, they, a clear video of a guy coming in, you know, plugging in the USB and plugging into something that's connected to the internet, which is not right. supposed to happen. And I mean, they have all this footage. And then now you got, you know, people today or yesterday from, I think it was either Michigan or Pennsylvania, um, having their, uh, again, making public, uh, statements about how there was one truck driver that said he had his like truck disappear overnight that held the mm. votes and stuff. I mean, it's like pretty crazy. Yeah, evidence. crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and, and it's, they're just, you know, if the mainstream media is not going to take it, then no one's going to care or not no one, but 
the majority of the people that would rise up and say something, they're not going to because, sure. because well, of the mainstream media in a lot of ways either. Right. Um, uh, have you been following the Veritas project Veritas I uh, thing? S- I saw it. That, that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. I, d- I never actually <laughs> saw the drop. I oh, saw didn't. the notice that they are going. Uh, I take that back. I listened to a, a very small clip um, that was not very interesting, but uh, yeah. So for those who don't know, project Veritas uh, who has varying degrees of legitimacy, but still very interesting organization um, doing, doing a lot of work. Um, apparently we're on CNN there, the morning CNN sort of executive calls yeah. for two months recording <laughs> in like insider calls yeah, uh, and recorded a bunch of stuff. And a couple of days ago said they're going to be re- releasing bits and pieces over the next week every day. Um, so maybe we'll tune in. Maybe once there's a little bit more to look at, we will talk about it on Friday. Well, yeah. um, uh, I was going to just mention, did, did you hear the part about the 9-11 Yes. stuff that was yeah that's pretty insane what they were imp- pretty crazy implementing or imp- uh, implying there ba- yeah. basically saying the way the transition is covered what you know it could bring about a whole new could, 9-11 yeah they're <laughs> saying it could cause another 9-11 if <laughs> trump doesn't hand over the presidency <laughs> like whoa is that a threat what he do what he's talking it was, about yeah it was crazy but um yeah anyway. but of course project veritas uh, is claiming that there's all sorts of recordings um of cnn executives uh and le- different leaders and different leadership positions talking about how basically they're told when and how to cover everything by uh the democrats and which does not come as a surprise to anybody i think at this point um but uh it's very interesting so another little another little detail on the election madness yeah before this is over we're gonna literally have the the right left paradigm is going to prevail and we're gonna have like a republican internet and and a democrat (laughs) internet in america that actually is not the craziest thing i've heard today so that's good then but also disturbing that (laughs) saying something (laughs) as wild as that you're like meh yeah i mean it's yeah it's it almost already is like that i know but just with the way facebook social media echo chambers are constructed yeah um along with google algorithms and things like that uh this is well known especially if you're a longtime listener of this show uh the internet is a different place for you and your uh your uh, your left right paradigm neighbors yeah all right you ready for a flippy update Let's do it. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Okie folks. We're going to do a quick flippy update before we get to the rest of the stories. And uh, for those who don't know, if you're new to the show, Flippy is the colloquial name for the disembodied robot arms that are taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. We use talking about Flippy to uh, have discussions about how robotics, AI, and all sorts of other nasty technocalypse uh, players are worming their ways into our lives to take control and uh, steal our souls. Um, But today, I got a Flippy update coming from popularmechanics.com. 
This came out uh, last week, right before Thanksgiving, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, We've followed Flippy for a long time, which is, like I said, the disembodied robot arms that are taking our jobs. But we also like to talk about Spot. Spot is the uh, robot dog from Boston Dynamics, which can be equipped uh, while they're autonomous and filled with AI and can be equipped with all sorts of tools from hands to claws to scanners uh, to machine guns. Um, But there's been some news with spot guns. This article is titled Hyundai wants to buy the robot dog. So it can make its cars look like this. Then there's a picture of a, well, a, a concept car, I guess. It uh, looks like a one-seater. And instead of tires like a regular good old-fashioned American automobile, this thing has four legs. It's think, a car with legs. I think the legs are supposed to morph between wheel and yes, like or dog yeah legs so the legs have the, wheels yeah. at the end of the legs but it looks like uh, the legs can uh, well let's just get into it for its next trick spot the world's favorite robot dog known for pursuing the chernobyl exclusion zone sorry perusing the chernobyl exclusion zone narking on social distancing rule breakers <laughs> and even working on oil rigs could be getting a major treat from Hyundai. SoftBank Hyundai. is report <laughs> I know. Hyundai. SoftBank <laughs> is reportedly in talks with the South Korean auto manufacturer to sell off its robotics company Boston Dynamics Incorporated. According to a Bloomberg report, supposedly the transaction could be worth up to a billion dollars. That seems pretty low. That seems like a low ball offer to me, but I guess uh, not a lot of revenue coming from um, the spot sales. Last I heard, I think you could buy spot uh, for yourself for $75,000. So apparently not enough sales. Why is Hyundai so interested in the robot dog? We have a theory and it has something to do with spots legs. Hyundai may want to adapt those limbs for its own completely wild walking car concept. At the 2019 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Hyundai first disputed, uh, debuted its so-called Elevate concept, which repaints a number of different electric vehicle concepts as legged insect-looking robots. As CNET's Roadshow said at the time, the car is capable of driving at highway speeds, climbing five-foot walls, and stepping over five-foot wide chasms rendering it basically an ATAT from Star Wars. In a January 2019 press release, Hyundai said its Elevate concept marks the first ultimate mobility vehicle, a buzzword that basically means the world's first car with legs. The company ultimately bills the strange cars as a possible solution in search and rescue operations. Of course, you always got to sell it for safety reasons. Uh, Here's a quote. When a tsunami or earthquake hits, current rescue vehicles can only deliver first responders to the edge of the debris field. They have to go in, uh, go the rest of the way by foot. Elevate can drive to the scene and climb right over flood debris or crumbled concrete. John Su, vice president and Hyundai, said in the release. That's not super surprising considering some of the coolest robots we've seen from snake robots, uh, drone fleets to full out robot squads of varying shape and size have been 
been uh, for rescue missions in caves and even dangerous inspections in nuclear facilities. Uh, the article has a little bit more to go, but that's the important part. So there you go, Gons. All, you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know if I like the idea of Boston Dynamics being sold to Hyundai. Uh, you know, they're uh, over 20 years old, I think, at this point and have been a a staple in the flippy updates for for many years and now they're they're selling out so we can have walking cars would you rather have a flying car or a walking car i actually kind of like this walking car idea it's kind of creepy um but it kind of sounds fun it sounds safer too the reason i'm not excited about flying cars is almost certainly uh, we will all die of crashing on our flying cars. Yeah, you say that, um, but you know, when I, some of these pictures here, there's one where it's kind of walking up this rocky uh, hillside kind of deal. Uh huh. Depending on how fast this thing goes, you can turn into a smoothie inside. You know, like it's not going to be very comfortable. <laughs> no, it'll, be, it'll be a little bumpy. Little. You know what I would love to watch, uh, you know, in the days to come when all cars are, have four legs instead of four tires. Um, live police chase videos <laughs> with a walking car. Yeah, that's would true. Be fantastic. Yeah. You know, because usually almost inevitably the uh, person being chased, you know, just kind of skids out on the side or something or they hit a fence or uh, get stuck in a ditch. But now these uh, police chases are going to take on a whole. It's going to be like parkour. It's going to be parkour police chases in these uh, these legged cars. And um, personally, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a great time. So are you saying that the the drivers themselves, like the people getting away, they're also going to have the the legged cars, and it'll be yeah. Like a- this is in a world where uh, the legged cars are ubiquitous. Okay, you know they'll they'll be coming straight towards a ditch, and then the legs will come out. They'll jump over the ditch, and then they'll climb a fence, and then they'll escape. Because uh, until I'm- the. <laughs> the police helicopter shoots a bazooka at them or something. I think the way it'll work out, the, the police force will have the cars before the consumers. And yeah. so, you know, the, the car will crash, the guy will get out, run into the woods. And then the cop car will just walk over the little fence, you know, next to the Depends side of the road. Where you are. I will say this, where I was stranded in California, <laughs> uh, it looks like their police uh, cars have not been updated since the eighties. So <laughs> you would I have loved <laughs> to have this thing. This thing this would, have really, uh, would have really yeah, helped you, you out. Could, you could rule the rural <laughs> communities of California in a legged car. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. There you go. That's your Flippy update. Excellent. Did you see my Flippy update that I uh, did? I did. In your I didn't honor? like it. Yeah, it was creepy, yeah. right? No, I didn't think so. You didn't think it was creepy? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying. I don't want to put you down. I'm just like, that's why I found this one. The rope. No, not the one that I had for you today. The one from last episode. Oh, no, I didn't see that one. I tuned in late. Okay. I'm going to show it to you just so you're up to speed so that, you know, okay. our producers uh, say things and they won't necessarily, um, you won't be confused. So this was a Reuters article, Egyptian inventor trials robot that can test for COVID-19. Oh. And and look at this thing. I am. Oh, oh no. 
Oh, no. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> no, those that's of you, the creepiest flippy I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, the face. The, the face. The funniest, the, part, face? the funniest part about this article is that it, you know, it interviews the guy who made it. And mm-hmm. he says that, um, yeah, he tried to make the robot more human with the head and the face and everything to, to not scare <laughs> he, people. <laughs> he did a bad job. <laughs> that was kind of the whole point. It's like, wow, man, if I saw this thing, if I was in a hospital strapped to a bed and I saw this thing roll in to like test me, I, that we came up with different things we can do to it. But yeah, anyway, this guy, this guy was approaching the uncanny Valley. And then instead of making this <laughs> mistake of crossing the uncanny Valley, he uh, just drove his car right off to right off the cliff and it exploded at the bottom. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a scary looking robot. What's the uh, what's the meme with the guy, the face meme? That's like the angry. Fa- I don't know what it's called. It, it, it's like a really simple drawing of a. <laughs> I'm gonna need more fa- details. I, uh, is it the the Wojak? <laughs> the NPC. The angry. NPC. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, what yeah. they look like in robot form. Yeah. Yeah, that's an NPC robot yeah. for sure. Okay. Anyway. All right. Moving on. Here we got some updates. Thirty-three is the Illuminati dog whistle, and they always have thirty-three in articles that have to do with various things, like the, of course, uh, well, I skipped one. Nope, this one. Aha, wbko.com. Ohio County adds thirty-three COVID nineteen cases on Monday. Of oh, course, perfect. always. Uh, but we also have this one from CNET.com. The 33 best movies to stream on Disney Plus. Oh, hey. great. That's a great 33 update. Let us know all 33 of them. And oh, of course, man. Uh, we got to decode this 33 thing. Of well, course, we don't know exactly what they're trying to say, but it always corresponds with something nasty. Well, 33, especially with cl- uh, the uh, 33 Club at Disneyland. There's a, yes. there's a closer tie-in with the, the Masonic stuff there with Disney and all that with 33. So, you know, Precisely. I, it, it was, it was a little more obvious here. Yeah. But, they really hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. Um, and also another update here, moving on to some different things. I am not capable of hatred. Ooh, is that Zuckerberg? Triple, triple. Oh, yeah. This is VentureBeat.com. Facebook-backed cryptocurrency Libra rebranded as DM in quest for regulatory approval. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Libra got so much heat, they're changing it up. And they're called DM now. And that's D-I-E-M, like carpe diem. Yeah, right. And DM means day-to-day or, you know, the day type type of deal. And yeah, so they're continuing their mission to become a sort of ubiquitous cryptocurrency that, one they, world currency. that Facebook controls. And the funniest part about this, uh, when you you would probably understand this more than those who are not as well versed in crypto, but uh-huh. it uh, it's a it's a stable coin. It's a right. dollar. It's a it's a dollar stable coin, one to one to the U.S. dollar, which is it pretty much defeats the purpose of having anything crypto in a way. Other than right. to monitor what you're using your dollars on. Exactly. That's Tracking the only purposes. reason why this thing would exist. 
Yep, you can track individual coins and uh, basically read every fingerprint that has ever touched that coin, um, which is uh, just another part of the oncoming control mechanisms of the new economic age. And the Great Reset, and they just want to keep track of how the how people are going to be spending, especially on and off ramps to actual digital assets that have, you know, Real yeah. value well, it's the one of- thing that Facebook doesn't know about you is exactly where your dollars go. I mean, they have an idea if you're buying stuff through marketplace and following ads. Um, but with this cryptocurrency, uh, Facebook will literally know every single thing you do throughout the day so yeah look we're not obviously if you listen to the show you know we're not anti-cryptocurrency as a concept but uh, this is an example of how cryptocurrencies can be used um in in very uh, inappropriate beast pro beast system ways yeah precisely um so yeah that's gonna launch in january so good luck everybody mm-hmm. have fun yep uh moving on here oh yes of course of course alien it's unidentified last episode we talked about the monolith in utah and apparently the new york times debunked it (laughs) or at least uh reported on the men who dismantled the utah uh, monolith but reuters.com reported mystery monolith vanishes in romania alien action or local prank (laughs) I love how they yeah. just throw it out there. It's kind of like. Uh, so the Romanian one is gone already. It's gone. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they don't okay. know. They don't know who did it. Yeah. Uh, well, we, had, we hadn't done a show. You know, we kind of missed out on this whole monolith thing. The monolith of, week. <laughs> yes. Monolith week. We kind of missed out on it, which is too bad. But also, uh, you know, I did end up seeing a close up picture. I was I was pretty intrigued. I mean, it was an intriguing thing to happen. Um, but when the close up pictures started coming out, um, I was less intrigued because you could see rivets. You know, you yeah. could tell it was a man made thing and not a solid block of alien steel. Sure. Although uh, I did find this footage. I don't know if you can see it. Basil, do you have a. Uh, I am now. Okay. Oh, the brushed steel look? No. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, No, yeah. I have this video here of a potential <laughs> uh, culprit yeah. of uh, did see the this. one who <laughs> put the monolith down. It's a, it's, it's a Sasquatch. Yeah, it's good. This was great. They finally, we solved two mysteries in, at once. Uh, it's Sasquatch walking through the forest and putting up his own little monolith. You know, I do got to say, we have... Uh, uh, we have some very, very devout Sasquatch uh, <laughs> uh, enthusiasts <laughs> who come into the chat every single show. And, uh, you know, we don't give them enough attention, Stephen being one of them. Um, so here's your shout out, Stephen. There's the Squatch. <laughs> There's the Squatch. We're, we're, not, we're not Squatch shills. We're not trying to hide the truth. We found it. And he definitely is responsible for the monolith. This one, not very well done though. Kind of like, it looks like a ladder. No, this something. was a prototype. Oh, it was this a prototype? Was prototype. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A lot of tin foil looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got on this pretty quick and they just had a, a Sasquatch suit laying around. 
<laughs> this is somebody who bought a Sasquatch suit like five years ago and uh, hasn't worn it in a while. It's like, oh, okay, finally I can make a video with this thing. <laughs> Quick, Deborah, get the tinfoil. Yeah, I'm sure that was uh, an exciting moment for whoever put this together. <laughs> um, all right. Well, also, you know, the New World Order is here. Oh, the Ooh. New World Order is here. We've been tracking all the various countries that have been talking about Build Back Better and the Great Reset. And mm-hmm. Egypt has joined the fun. This is DailyNewsEgypt.com. COVID-19 accelerates reforms to build back better through inclusivity, Egypt's Al-Mashat said. His uh, current development financing portfolio has 13 projects. You guys remember the number 13 and its significance to Osiris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's targeting gender equality as a main thing. So uh, there you go. Egypt oh. buying okay. in. Yeah, it's, it's well, weird. Well, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but it's it's just strange how it's almost like they're taking turns, like all these countries, you know, like the 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 dark pope at the top or whatever, the antichrist <laughs> is like your turn to you know virtue yeah. signal to the world with build back better and it would be reset. interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't know. Maybe somebody has already done this, but to uh, put together a uh, a timeline of build back better disclosure. And mm. see which countries came out when and in what order. Yeah. Maybe there might be some sort of pattern there. For those uh, <laughs> very particular listeners who are looking for a new conspiracy project, uh, that might be an interesting one. Yeah. That, if you do it, send us an email. Yeah, that'll definitely definitely be time consuming. Certainly, I don't have the attention span to do it, but somebody out there does. Yeah. And you want to probably do it before the internet completely splits. You know, you don't want to be caught using the other other people's internet oh no 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 um and one of the things that we talked about uh, a few episodes ago and I, actually i don't even know if we talked about it on the show now now i'm getting confused i, I actually don't remember about anything about oh i'm sorry are you moving on to the next yeah update? the next update yeah yeah, I don't. I've never heard of this. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let me set it up then. The race wars. Race wars. The race war. I've warned you and warned you and warned you. I think it was actually a tweet that I sent out because um, I, I, I obviously I feel a little bit more responsible or do something about the situation where one of the leaders, the new leaders in Japan, came out and said that they're going to be pushing the multicultural. Uh, aspects or, or, you know, bringing in different cultures into Japan so that it becomes mm. more multi or diverse in their cultural, whatever. And that's sort of the, which is, it's pretty one eight. It's kind of a one eighty shift. It's a big, Japan, big time shift. It? Yeah. It's a big yeah. time shift. And it's really, um, uh, oh, here it is. Japanese foreign minister announces plan to transform Japan into a diverse multi-ethnic society. And that goes against mm. everything that's, you know, like a nation like Japan, who's very, nationalistic you know they're very uh consistent with and maybe to a fault to some degree because you know they can be sort of racist well there's a lot of pride yeah there's a lot of pride national pride sure sure and i I get it there's some issues with racism in that regard if you know people that are half or whatever they get uh discriminated and stuff like that in japan is that true does that happen it happens it happens um but 
again, it's it's the sort of that was just America guns. No, 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 no. It happens everywhere. <laughs> okay. uh, but it, it it is sort of the byproduct of having a national, you know, like a, an actual national like pride, you can say, or nationalism. Mm-hmm. But that's being broken down, and some of the evidence is showing up here. Al Jazeera, Japan, Nike advertisement on bullying, racism faces backlash, uh, backlash boycott calls. And uh, again, I won't. <laughs> in Japan? In Japan, yeah. So, <laughs> so they did a Nike advertisement saying like, oh, we can't, you know, can't bully Don't racist. Don't be racist. And, uh, and yeah, a whole bunch of people in Japanese were not happy with the, with the whole thing saying, wait, 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 just, just to get clarity on what you said, okay. you can't bully racists or you can't no, be racist. You can't be racist. Okay. The, the Nike was saying, you know, I think here, let me read some of it so that it, a video advertisements from, from Nike Japan against bullying and racism that features biracial athletes and other minorities, such as those of Korean descent has prompted a sharp online response, including calls to boycott the company. The commercial, yeah, the commercial Keep Moving Yourself, the Future, released on November 30th, shows several teenage girls bullied in school over their race or other differences, but who ultimately find confidence through their prowess in football. Huh. And, yeah. uh, and then, yeah, people just responded with uh, uh, different re- reactions here. One of them said, nowadays, you often see one or two people of different nationalities going to school perfectly peacefully. That's one. Uh, the one that's prejudiced is Nike, which, which is a, I, that is kind of, a, you know, I don't think it's as. Do they just not like being called racist? I think, yeah, I think. it. So I think the, the Japanese citizens here have a point because mm-hmm. realistically in Japan, if you're from another country, most they treat you well. You know, I, when uh, yeah, I went to Japan. Well, yeah. With a, a friend who's uh, Irish descent a, a long time ago. This is when I was a kid. He wore a Superman shirt. My goodness. Uh-huh. Superman, Superman, you know, pictures. Back then yeah. it was, uh, you know, uh, Yeah, Kodak I mean, I gotta cameras. say, I went over to Japan for a while when I was younger, and uh, I felt like a celebrity, man. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they treat them well. So, uh, so when Nike does this type of thing, and they're like, oh, bad racist Japanese people. I think the response is going to be like, hey, uh, hello, what are you guys talking about? Uh, and another asked, is it so much fun to blame Japan? That's such a Japanese way of saying it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you, know, you know, here's a funny story. I've not told this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Japan, I was doing some ministry work over there when I was very young. I mean, my, my early teens and uh, a nice Japanese girl uh, proposed to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got my first uh, marriage proposal when I was like 13 in Japan. It was great. Take me to your homeland. <laughs> my slave master beat me every day. Oh, stop it. Stop oh, it. You make me cook. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was actually kind of sad because uh, uh, she she gave me a ring and everything. Oh, my and gosh. I, I know. I had it in like a little, you know, you, you have your shoebox full of memories or whatever. And uh, I don't know, it must have been about 10 years. I opened that box and it was gone. Somebody stole my my proposal, my my wedding proposal ring. Okay. And this, this is the thing. Okay. So uh, Japanese sports fans have celebrated Osaka, who counts Nike as a sponsor and makes a cameo appearance in the advertisement. But she was once depicted as a cartoon character by another sponsor, Nissan, with pale skin and light brown hair, while a comedy duo said she, quote, needed some bleach. So, oh. yeah, okay, pretty, pretty <laughs> awful. But 
comedy comedian, a comedic yeah. duo yeah. saying it in Japan. Okay, all right, whatever. But uh, anyway, I just thought it was pretty funny that, uh, or pretty weird, or not weird. I guess obvious that you know the Japanese foreign minister would announce this plan, and then within a week or a couple weeks, we have a story of Nike trying to push this thing, you know, in Japan, and already a backlash. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be with the Japanese people here. Let's preserve the culture as much as possible. And that doesn't go for just Japan. That goes for all other, you know, na- nations out there trying to preserve their culture. I have no sure. problem. I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. In this world of globalization and the entire world being, uh, Americanized, I think it's totally cool for countries yeah. to try to not, uh, become one monoculture, which is the risk yes. that we're having. Right yes. Now. And I see uh, wasting down time two or second, I think, in the chat saying that she's from Japan. And um, so that's cool. It's, it's nice to have international viewers and listeners in the chat here. It's, it's yes, good. she's been amening uh, everything you're saying. Okay. She, she agrees. Good. And, and, and I'm anti Nike anyway, right? They got the, the Chinese children making their shoes. But also, this is a dead giveaway, just to note. Dota two star Ramsey's six, six, six is now a mm. Nike sponsored athlete. That is so funny. Uh, yeah. For those who are not aware of the esports community, this is a professional video game player. Yeah. Who is now a Nike athlete. Oh my gosh. There's still a chance for me guns. <laughs> yeah. Although my esports he, career is waiting. You might have to virtue signal Satanism. Yeah. Or like the beast itself, you know, and well, be good you know, at games. This is one of the benefits of being in the line of work that you and I are in. We could probably signal, uh, you know, put out all the right Illuminati signals better than even many of the legit, uh, you know, Illuminati agents. That, that's true because we understand them better, better than they understand themselves. I know. I know. That's what I love about it. Gons, I told you these updates were going to take 45 minutes, but uh, let's keep moving. Do you want me to do these ones? <laughs> yes. I highlighted I them so you do you. them. Okay. Let's do this one. It's a pandemic special. A pandemic special. Okay. This is coming from USA Today. Fact check. Photo shows Dr. Hug lonely coronavirus patient on Thanksgiving. That's right, folks. We've got a bona fide fact check. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can show the picture. Uh, somebody posted this picture of a doctor. Um, it could be construed as hugging uh, an old man uh, in the hospital, obviously. And he made a very touching post about, uh, you know, some people are stuck in the hospital with coronavirus, can't see their families and uh, wear a mask. And so USA Today decided they needed to run a fact check <laughs> on this picture of a hug. Apparently it was a slow news day and uh, Gans, do you, uh, you want to know what their rating was, what their fact check was? Oh, please tell me. Is this true? Is this fake, fake news? Fact check says true. This is a real picture of a real hug. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotten to that point, I guess. What kind of ridiculous world are we living in where USA Today, a, uh, you know, multi-million, if not billion dollar media company has to pay somebody to fact check a hug, a picture of a hug. And apparently it wasn't even worth it because it was true in the first place. Who was questioning this picture of a hug? 
All right, moving on. But there you go. There is one update. Gons, I'll show you how to shoot through these updates. We got another pandemic special. You step on jingles is what you do. No, that was your timing. A pandemic special. Okay, this one is coming from CNN Business. Oh, let me turn off that. Uh, Fake news about a COVID-19 vaccine has become a second pandemic. Red Cross chief says this has been. Yeah, this has been an interesting sort of development about how bad information is another pandemic. Uh, And uh, it's been coming out from several different sources, but they just keep piling on. Now with the Red Cross chief, uh, COVID-19 vaccines are fast approaching. We'll get to that in a second. But a second pandemic might impede efforts to recover from the first, according to the president of Global Humanitarian Aid Group. The second pandemic, fake news about those very vaccines. Um, you know, this is, this is, it seems funny and it's, you know, kind of poking fun at it. This is actually a very dangerous rhetorical move that's being, uh, that's being, played here in my opinion um for a year now we've been you know terrified by this word pandemic not just terrified mind controlled it has split society it has severed family ties friends are no are now enemies um all because of this word pandemic legislation is being uh, put into effect uh, governors are overreaching their legal uh, authority in their states all because of this word pandemic um, and now as always happens and we love tracing this stuff because uh, we're seeing the beginning of it here um, there is now a, a transmogrification happening of the word pandemic from you know it's actual definition of a disease that is uh, spreading at a certain rate and affecting a a large portion of the uh, population to anything they want it to be (laughs) like news they don't agree with is now pandemic and they will use that word uh, to crack down um, make more legislation not about a virus or people's health but about controlling the information flow. Um, so there you go. You heard it here first. Labeling, it's its a, again part of the double speak, uh, the, uh, the mind control of language that the media uses um, to create narratives uh, out of a lot of times, out of nothing. And uh, there you go. Anything to say about this, Gon? Well, I think you covered the bases there, but- Got it. Yeah. Nailed it. Making it, a second pandemic and having it not actually be a, a physical disease virus, whatever is pretty ridiculous. I mean, yeah, and, and it's no. very disappointing, you know, cause red cross, uh, I mean, I've distrust, I didn't have much trust for red cross for a while, but mm-hmm. in the last decade or maybe even more than that, anytime there was a natural disaster, whether it be, uh, you know, a hurricane or any kind of the tsunami, a whole bunch of people were like, Oh, send money to red cross, send money to red cross. And I was always like, do they really use that money to help people? So I was skeptical of them already, but this, this is like a dead giveaway. Now it's like, now how do you ever support this company or the company, this uh, organization? Yeah. It's just another, people? it's a nonprofit uh, charity based 
uh, New World Order mechanism <laughs> is what it's kind of turned into. Of course, uh, hopefully that they are doing good in disaster zones and stuff. Um, I haven't heard much uh, on the boots reporting about that, but th- that is what they allege. And they may very well do that. But this uh, this participation in the uh, changing the the I mean, we saw the changing of language. What was the one that they actually changed the dictionary definition of something because of acb i don't remember Uh, now sexual orientation or something uh preference sorry sexual sexual preference preference, maybe where they yeah it was it was sexual preference and acb used it and the next day the dictionary changed it to you know an offensive term uh So, you know, you have all these organizations participating in the manipulation of language that will uh, inevitably be used uh, for more grasps of control. But we have another uh, pandemic special update guns. Before we go on to that one, the quote from the guy from the Red Cross here is that it's a parallel pandemic. They have to defeat the parallel pandemic of mistrust that has consistently hindered our collective response to this disease. And that can undermine our shared ability to vaccinate against it. That mm-hmm. sounds to me like like a war, like a declaration of war. Yeah, it's it's literally like these people have hindered our you know the, our ability to help people. It is. it is really messed up. You are actively killing people by having. <laughs> different ideas than us yeah it's ridiculous all right well next one a pandemic special okay this one was fun this is coming from msn.com it was originally popping up on fox but just for fun i looked for it in other places and we hadn't uh, talked about msn in a while so here we are cdc director school is one of the safest places places kids can be (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is part of why I grabbed this one. It's a mirrored article from the Daily Mail, but I just loved the one headline. of the safest places places kids can be. Schools are among the safest places that American children can be amid surging cases of coronavirus across the country. Center Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Dr. Robert Redfield said on Thursday night during a rare White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing, he called school closures an emotional response to rising infection rates. He said that data does not support the notion that closing schools reduces coronavirus transmissions. So that's all you really need to know. I mean, I'm just not going to waste our time by reading the rest of the article. I'm sure somebody will have a problem with that, but read it for yourself. Um, They break down some of the numbers, but you know what I love, Gons? Throughout the past, at least the past six months of the pandemic, uh, the CDC has been the best source of information guarding against what governments are trying to do like lockdowns and yes yeah lockdowns uh masks for a while uh now school closures it's like the government in whether it be state or oftentimes federal you know they're trying to lock everything down they're trying to uh create their new world order and the cdc repeatedly is like "Eh, no guys don't worry about it we you know listen to the good liberals we are the bosses when it comes to this you don't need to close schools you don't need to do all these lockdowns you'll be fine 
And governments are like, no, we must. We must gain more control. They're just like, hey, so, well, we're just going to take the safe road and we'll go ahead and lock down yeah. and destroy businesses and uh, all that. By the way, did you see the, um, there was a guy, the, the people have been arrested in recent days in Canada and no, they shut a place down I'm in New York. Um, a guy that was just trying to run For his business. Lockdown He's, stuff. Yeah. Lockdown stuff like anti-lockdown. Yeah, I saw that guy who owned a gym who yeah. was being fined $15,000. Is that the one you're talking about? I don't, was it a gym? Maybe it was a, I thought it was a restaurant. Uh, I but. saw one. Uh, I don't know. I thought I saw one where a guy owned a gym and was just ignoring lockdown and he got a $15,000 bill or something from the government. He just rips it up and <laughs> throws it into the air. He's, He's a hardcore guy. I am not going to mess with him. If I was a, you know, a cop ordered to go arrest this guy, I would not mess around with him. They're going to have to roll out the, the Hyundai robot legs yeah. walking. It's the four-legged robot yeah. uh, car. So there you go. There's your pandemic special updates. You know, I, there is an interesting thing from uh, the perspective of the left that would they can point out an inconsistency with people on the right in this right left false paradigm because mm-hmm. you know a few months ago the the left liberal democrats they were all saying defund the police defund the police and the then the republicans were like no blue lives matter and then now with like <laughs> certain locations they're totally. like the, the Gestapo is here. They're they're <laughs> arresting the people unlawfully, and the, right. and the liberals are like, "Wait, I thought blue lives. I thought you guys wanted police officers." So it is a mess. I, I can see yeah, why they did all that to really get people confused. The switcheroos, and, yeah, man. it's it's crazy. This, the- the ideological switcheroos just keep happening and a big story about that later on in the show. But yes. yeah, you're totally right. They're, they're good. They're, oh, they're good really at good. confusing people about yeah. what they believe. It's very, uh, I mean, when you know how to spot it, it's fun and frustrating to watch. Um, but you know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of people just aren't really paying attention to, yeah. uh, you know, how they're being manipulated Yeah, and, you know, and also human beings are able to hold two different ideas about something at the same time. Right. No, in, no, uh, we're not. A very, Come on. Yeah, the, Come in on. a very impressive uh, way. A lot of times that's true. That's one of the um, one of the marks of intelligence, they say. Really? Or maybe that's mind control as well. Yeah. No, that's one of the things. One of the uh, one of the key aspects of intelligence is being able to have two contradictory uh, thoughts about something at the same time. Oh, that's probably why my wife married me. I was like, I hate you, but I love you. <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot of marriages uh, <laughs> have, a, have an aspect of that. Um, okay. One last update here. You want me to take it? Uh, let me do it. Cause you I'm going to launch it. you okay. into uh, the vaccine. Oh, ah, vaccine thing. Vaccine. Whee. This is marketwatch.com. A hundred percent of Americans that want the vaccine will have had the vaccine by June, says yeah. Operation Warp Speed official. That's yeah, I mean, there's only like a hundred people who want it. So that seems like a reasonable goal. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant General Paul Ostrowski tells MSNBC that more than 300 million doses will be available well before then. So there you go. Uh, mm. Those who want it will get it. 
and the absolute opposite of the story they were telling last week, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we did on Monday when in your absence, I did have a story. I think it was from the Hill that the CDC advisory panel, uh, said that people and you know, your thing about the CDC, Mm-hmm. They were basically saying like, Hey, we need to make sure that the people understand that when they get this vaccine, there might be some side effects mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they have to come back for the second one. We, we can't, we can't turn them off, you know, yeah. because of all the side effects. So just make sure they know that they're going to feel terrible and some might die, but come back for number two, but round come two. back for number two. You only got to do it twice this season. And then next year it would have morphed. That's what they don't tell you. Um, I will say just uh, as one last little personal update, I had my yearly or bi-yearly, whatever, uh, doctor's appointment yesterday. Um, No, she did not give me anabolic steroids, uh, but um, she was very serious. Uh, I've never seen her push me in this way uh, about getting the flu vaccine. Did not say a single word about coronavirus. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And I took that. I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I took that to mean, uh, don't worry about this coronavirus nonsense, uh, but do get the flu vaccine. You know why? Even though the flu is down 5%, down, (laughs) the CDC has stopped counting (laughs) flu cases because it's so small, but coronavirus is a flu. You know why? It's all about the money. And I bet you the totally. hospital yeah. has already bought a whole bunch of the flu vaccine. Oh, totally. They need to that's, administer and that. And that's been well known. Yeah. 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 That's well known for a while. Doctors get uh, paid, get, get paid to strongly suggest people get the flu vaccine. Um, so there you go. Nothing new. Oh, are you okay, friends? Oh, the UK friends. Uh, you uh, Let me take this one. It looks oh, like you've it, got a lot of notes on the second. I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. So I'll take this first uh, group here. Um, yeah, here we go. This was a fun one that came across the, my desk uh, yesterday or today is today, I believe. Um, HuffPost. Gotta love it. The HuffPost. And yes, just I, I will mention um, for those who are new to the show, you'll notice we read from a lot of uh, pretty well-known propaganda outlets. That's on purpose. We're not reading these articles to convince you that they're true. We're reading them uh, to dissect them um, and uh, see you know, how the mind control works. So don't be afraid. I'm reading from HuffPost. The article is titled, UK Approves Pfizer. BioNTech coronavirus vaccine for emergency use. Uh, dun, dun, dun. But it gets more exciting, Gons. The Pfizer BioNTech COVID 19 vaccine has been approved for use in the UK and will be made available from next week, UK Health Secretary ah. Matt Hancock said. Wow. So the UK, they're starting, they're starting early. They want to get the vaccine out there. And uh, for all of our UK listeners, Really, you need to give us early reports about what it's like in the UK during vaccine week. <laughs> there it is. Next week is vaccine week. Oh, you there can you run go. A, 
We'll run a uh, we'll run a some sort of producership special. We'll keep a keep an eye out. Maybe 19, 20. Yeah, 19. I don't know. We'll figure it out. UK regulators are the first to approve Pfizer vaccine for emergency use. And Britain will be one of the first countries to start vaccinating their population. Uh, Studies have shown the jab. I had to grab this article (laughs) because it goes back to the jab, which as Americans, guns, we were very confused by. And our UK listeners were very happy to educate us that the jab is a totally normal way of referring to the vaccine. So studies have shown the jab to be 95% effective and works in all age groups. No safety concerns arose from the clinical trials. What? Yeah. No safety concerns arose from the clinical trials. Now, Gans, this is why I contacted you before the show today. Uh, Of course, on this show, we covered a lot of the safety concerns that came from the clinical trials. Um, But it did occur to me that I I do remember specifically reporting on the Moderna safety issues. Do you remember at all if there were safety issues that came from the Pfizer uh, trials? Yeah, see, I was trying to find exactly and... There, there was, uh, there was only some stuff that said that there were some side effects and, right. uh, the one that, um, there was a couple that I had here. One of them is from 10 news.com San Diego. What are the side effects of the Moderna and Pfizer COVID vaccines? And that was published on November 19th. And mm-hmm. it says here in the article, Pfizer reported 3.8% of the recipients felt fatigue and 2% experienced headaches based on preliminary data from its phase three trial. And that's phase three. I don't remember the phase one or two, right? It's a smaller sample size, but yeah. So they had nasty side effects, but as far as we could, again, it could have all been erased. Sure. But (laughs) I feel like I remember there being some pretty serious issues, at least with the Moderna vaccine. There was like a spinal infection. Right. At least one person died from it. Yeah. Uh, Pretty serious. The Pfizer one uh, says these symptoms are classified as grade three or severe adverse events because they can interfere with daily activity. So Mm. that was, uh, you know, three between two and four percent. Yeah, they the were saying the like, trial. I mean, you you'll have to take a few days off work, right, to get the the vaccine. Like, yeah, you're gonna be really sick for a few days just yeah. after you know each dose of which there are two. So okay, so it's pretty serious. So uh, this goes directly against the the thing I just mentioned from the last episode where I mentioned the Hill dot com reporting on the CDC advisory panel saying, hey, mm-hmm. make sure you warn them. Make sure you let them know that, you know, the side effects can happen. Right. Because they didn't want people running away. Right. So this mm. is no, the Huff Post is like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to the CDC, those quacks. <laughs> no safety concerns arose from the trial. You're going to be just fine. Get over here the and get your speak. jab. The, get your the jab. speak is really impressive. Jab, jab. Uh, the article continues. U.S. and European, European Union regulators are reviewing the Pfizer shot along with a similar vaccine developed by Moderna. 
British regulators are also reviewing a vaccine candidate developed by Oxford University and AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca had some bad uh, stuff yeah, happen in their trials, too. The U.S. Food and Drug uh, Administration is set to meet December 10th and decide whether to recommend the Pfizer vaccine for emergency use. The first shipments of the vaccine will arrive in the U.S. on December 15th, CNN reported. The U.K. has secured some 40 million doses in total, with 10 million due in the country by the end of the year. People will need two doses, meaning enough has been bought for 20 million Brits. The shots ha- will have to come to Britain from the company's distribution center in Belgium and need to be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius. Oh, this is the one that has this crazy refrigeration thing. Yes, yeah, the mRNA vaccines. Yeah. Oh, no. Hancock told BBC Breakfast on Wednesday morning that 800,000 doses of the vaccine will be available next week with several millions more arriving throughout December. He added, quote, will then deploy at the speed that it's manufactured. And the manufacturing is, of course, being done by Pfizer in Belgium. So that will determine the speed at which we can roll it out. Sir Simon Stevens, chief executive of the NHS, that's the National Health Service in England, said the vaccination program would be the, quote, largest scale vaccination campaign in our country's history. Ooh, Hancock tweeted, help is on the way. The Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency has formally authorized the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine for COVID-19. Quote, the NHS stands ready to start vaccinating early next week. The UK is the first country in the world to have a clinically approved vaccine for supply on the challenge posed by the need for the vaccine to be stored at an ultra low temperature hancock told sky news quote this is a challenging rollout and the nhs in all parts of the uk stands ready to make that happen do you think it's at negative 70 degrees celsius as it's being no. injected into you <laughs> there's no way that would kill you, right? <laughs> yeah. That, there's no way that that's... That would freeze your veins on contact. <laughs> yeah, it'll at be least like that's, a, my, that's my hunch. I'm no uh, expert, but... It'll be like the freeze. You know, remember Arnold? <laughs> Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Yeah. yeah. What was his line? It was getting I cold or whatever. Yeah. Whatever Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like how that was the... That was your go-to witty pun. It's getting cold. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer had a, a history, I think in like the 1990s, there was mm-hmm. a vaccine thing that they did in Nigeria that like killed people and maimed people. Yeah, it's a classic. And uh, so of course, you know, in the, in the last few months, they had a Nigerian doctor come out and say, Oh, we're so excited about the Pfizer vaccines. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was a while there where uh, a lot of African countries were sick and tired of being experimented on, yeah. which I totally support them for that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird, sick joke that, uh, you know, Bill Gates and other uh, companies uh, test unsafe vaccines on Africans. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was actually 2011 which was what, 15 years? Yeah, 15 years after the fact that Pfizer actually started to pay, pay out the, mm-hmm. uh, the people that were affected yeah. by that experiment. Inter- so, international vaccine courts. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, 
Peace, love, joy, and purple in the Twitch chat says, question, can you still get C-19 after getting the vaccine? I don't know. I'm not a professional, but the professional uh, Dr. Fauci says yes. So, yeah, you still need to wear masks. I'm not. Uh, do we have that clip? I'm not spreading fake news, right? No, he we don't, said even yeah. after the vaccine, you, it, there's still a big risk, right? Yeah, he said there's a big risk. I think that was uh, that was the the whole thing where he said now is the time to do what you're told. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah, the same Creepy same event, laugh, I think. man. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Let me browse through this. I think that is, uh, I don't think there's anything uh, of import left in the article. Um, but the, the big news being next week is Vax Week for you uh, UK folks. So UK listeners, send us an email, canarycryradio at gmail.com. We want to hear what the deal is, especially if there's some sort of uh, pressure or... God forbid, some sort of mandatory situation. I'm not exactly sure what the current situation is in the UK, but uh, I know Boris Johnson really got on board with the whole uh, New World Order thing halfway through the pandemic. Did you see the clip that I played in the last episode of an American vaccine distributor say that they put RFID chips in the vaccine? No. You didn't see that one? No, it's it's worth playing again. Let me let me pull it up here because, yeah, he it was it was what on channel. C- is this is this C- a verified thing? CBN, CBN Christian Broadcast Network. Christian Broadcast Network. Hmm. Yeah. Let me okay. uh, let me find it here. Okay. Let me pull it up. And I mean that would make sense. Of course, that's something that. Uh, we've been told is going to be happening literally my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Um, Let me see here. Let's see. Between my company, Apigex Systems of America, and the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense. And its purpose is to ensure that by year end, we'll have at least 100 million doses ready to inject of a vaccine or therapeutic, assuming one is available. How does the optional RFID chip work? Well, each of these devices that are injecting have the capacity to also have a small chip. What that chip does is it has the unique serial number for each dose. It is designed so that there is no counterfeiting. It's designed so that we'll know exactly that the right dose hasn't expired. However, that chip only refers to the dose. There's no personal information, no patient information. It's simply like a barcode, only we know instantaneously where and when that dose has been used. That also helps public health officials know when there are outbreaks, have we vaccinated enough people in those areas? That technology is purely optional, however, and the U.S. government hasn't even decided if they're going to use it. There you optional go. to who? To Optional to me or optional to the government? I think the government. It sounded like the government because he said the government hasn't decided whether uh, to it's implement pretty it. pretty crazy. It's pretty weird, I right? Know, I'm going to have to look into this guy. I mean, that would be... That's, that's ginumbus news if that is... Uh, and on Indeed CBN too. True. I don't know. I'm a little. I mean, CBN, CBN. I know. Kind of, I know. They just kind of do their own thing. I know, but it's. Uh, you would think that you know somebody in the back at CBN is like, well, 
majority of our audience are Christians, and they're all into the Mark of the Beast thing. And Well, right. That's kind of what a little bit makes me suspicious. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that guy, because as a news organization, of which I trust none of them at this point, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's CNN. Don't care if it's Fox. Don't care if it's OAN. I don't care if it's CBN. I don't care. I don't care where it is. I don't trust any of them unless I can look at the data myself. Um, and CBN is is part of that group, uh, mainly because they have a lot of money to make yeah. by releasing a video that explicitly says that there's going to be a, a chip in the vaccine. It may be true. Like I said, I was even even when I was in the most vanilla churches in my life, they are talking about, you know, a, a chip being in a vaccine being the mark of the beast. Um, so it's it's a little too perfect, but I'm not saying it's false. I'm not saying it's true. I'm a little. I don't know. I got to look into it. We got to look into it. OK, well, wh- how would you say is the trust level of our of our leaders right now do you think it's high or low what would you say uh, uh, you mean me personally you personally just, like just your take on hmm. the, the culture american culture or world culture whichever one you'd like uh trust for leaders how is it on a on a scale of uh, uh a a church mouse to a rhinoceros i would say uh, i think the trust level is about three Oh, I was hoping you'd come up with an animal that fits that description <laughs> in between the church mouse and the rhinoceros. Uh, okay, so you're. I, 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 I don't think. I. I think. I don't think. Generally, there is a lot of trust right now. I think it, uh, obviously it's different in geographical regions and political affiliation, but uh, I don't think there's a whole lot. Yeah. Well, there's one organization that would agree with you. A new world order can emerge. The New World Order agrees with me. The World Economic Forum.org. Oh, finally three ways, something we can agree on. Three ways to fight corruption and restore trust in leadership. Wow. They're, they're really, they, they, they see it falling apart. <laughs> they must scour the social medias and see that uh, the only people agreeing with them are crazy libjos. Well, at least it shows that they're paying attention. That's true. So the bullet points, as people around the world place their trust in the production and distribution of a COVID-19 vaccine, we must ensure corruption does not get in the way. Not only is calling on leaders to champion a culture of integrity and good governance the right thing to do, but it will also ensure that our global recovery efforts are not deviated by corruption. Here are three ways to overhaul our approach to combating corruption. Corruption. You know, it's what funny. What is their definition of corruption here? <laughs> I was going to say that, uh, you, you know, the, the double speak or like the hidden thing, the, the you know, sort of the, the mishap here is that organizations like the World Economic Forum is at, the, they're at the tip of the criticism of corruption. So for mm. them to be like, oh, let's fix corruption. Let's make sure there's no corruption. It's like, right. okay, the, the corrupt organization is saying no more corruption. Yeah. Uh, it says beautiful. here. As we identify the paths necessary to come out of this compounded COVID-19 crisis, <clears throat> excuse me, and prepare the conditions for a much needed great reset, we must also keep the focus on long-standing challenges that will affect this recovery, most notably the fight against corruption and the search for greater trust and integrity in institutions across social, economic, and political systems. 
We have a unique window of opportunity to get recovery right and create a sustainable society if we put good governance, transparency, and accountability at the heart of all efforts and realize stakeholder capitalism, an economy that serves the interests of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are who are they writing to? Like, who do they think that is reading this? Who, uh, you I know what know. I mean? It's they keep saying we, 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 and stakeholder, stakeholder. Well, from my point of view, they're just talking to them to themselves and referring to stakeholders as rich people or something. It, it, it's one hundred percent right. So oh, stakeholder <laughs> capitalism. All right, because I needed to look into what stakeholder capitalism is, you know, a little more specifically. And it's a hyperlink that takes you to another World Economic Forum article. Why we need Mm. the Davos Manifesto for a better kind of capitalism. We don't need that. (laughs) We don't need it and we don't want it. We already have it, I think, because this article is from December 2019, a year ago. Oh, my gosh. And so uh, what kind of capitalism do we want? Uh, They basically say that... Uh, they want a stakeholder capitalism, a model, and this is written in first person, which is always weird on the World Economic Forum website. Mm-hmm. Stakeholder capital- capitalism, a model I first proposed a half century ago, as if like the World Economic Forum is a person, um, positions private corporations as trustees of society. And it's clearly private corporations, private corporations, as trustees of society. Oh, this is, I just got a little sick. That just made me a little sick to my stomach. (laughs) Yeah. And it's clearly, clearly the best response to today's social and environmental challenges. Remember, this is before the coronavirus that this actual sentence or paragraph was written. That is the scariest thing I've ever heard. And then they bash shareholder capitalism, uh, currently the dominant model, first gained ground in the U.S. in the 70s and expanded its influence globally. In the following decades, its rise was not without merit. During its heyday, hundreds of millions of people around the world prospered as profit-seeking companies unlocked new markets and created new jobs. But that wasn't the whole story. Advocates of shareholder capitalism, including Milton Friedman and the Chicago School, had neglected the fact that a publicly listed corporation is not not just a profit-seeking entity, but also a social organism. Together with financial industry pressures to boost short-term results, a single-minded focus on profits caused shareholder capitalism to become increasingly disconnected from the real economy. All right, there's maybe something in there about, okay, yeah, you're always focused on the bottom line. That's kind of like the typical criticism people have for capitalism or corporatism. Mm-hmm. Many realize this form of capitalism is no longer sustainable. The question is, why have attitudes began to change only now? And then they get into the Greta Thunberg effect. Only now. <laughs> the Greta Thunberg effect. In effect now. Uh, so How get- dare you? <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good Greta. Thanks. I've been working uh, on it. But so the idea of a stake of stakeholder capitalism. And again, th- this, this, this article has a quote from Klaus Schwab. Again, this is December 2019. This is a year ago. Wow. So yeah. this is before everybody started bashing on, on Klaus. But I will say this is right when the elites uh, were allegedly um, told about coronavirus yeah. starting. Yeah. Yeah. And now it is. It's almost the, like they uh, knew. we kind of skipped it, but there's uh, actually I have it right here. It's an NPR uh, article 
talking about how, um, well, it's called coronavirus was in the U.S. weeks earlier than previously known mm. and puts coronavirus in the U.S. sometime in December um, of 2019. So they were publishing this article as they knew the coronavirus was in the United States. Yeah, that makes sense. So the quote from Klaus Schwab is, quote, the World Economic Forum is releasing a new Davos manifesto, which states that companies should pay their fair share of taxes, show zero tolerance for corruption, uphold human rights throughout their global supply chains and advocate for a competitive level uh, playing field. And the article continues, but to uphold the principles of stakeholder capitalism, companies will need new metrics. For starters, a new measure of, quote, shared value creation should include, quote, environmental, social, and governance, ESG goals as a complement to standard financial metrics. Uh, fortunately, an initiative to develop a new standard along these lines is already underway with support from the big four accounting firms and led by the chairman of the International Business Council, Bank of America CEO, Brian Moynihan. And it kind of goes on here, but here's, here's what's going to happen. And this is part of the Great Reset. And, and the reason why like uh, states like California are even in like, again, they're you know locking everything down again and, and fears of locking down even we'll see what happens with the UK. I'll be interested to see like first round of vaccines. And then like two weeks later, we're going to lock down. It's not working. Lock down more. Yeah. What's happening. Th this is clearly, I mean, this is like clear as day for anybody that's paying attention here. They're destroying the middle class. Obviously, you know, the, the mom and pa shops aren't able to work anymore because they're being, basically shut down and mm -hmm. the big chains, the Costco's, the Walmart's they're, they're the only ones open. Right. So mm -hmm. why are, why are we allowed to go to Costco and wait in lines like slaves, but we can't go down to our mom and pa shop because they want to destroy that middle class. But here's, here's the other part. So you, they want everybody poor, but here's the other angle to this. They want to tax the, the big corporations, right? They want to tax them to death. Uh, for the wealthy people, people that actually have assets. Mm -hmm. So if you're, that's why the whole Joe Biden, Oh, if you have more than $400,000 then uh, you know, you're going to pay 65% taxes, right? You know, so they're it's almost like they are grabbing everybody from both ends. They're destroying the middle class, but also they're making everybody poor that way. And so the poor people are like, yeah, you know, we need, we need, uh, we need reform. And then that creates this justification to tax the wealthy. Not, well, not yeah. just the corporations, but the people that actually have assets, the wealthy people that have land and all this stuff, they'll be taxed to death. And then now the control mechanism is complete. They, they have it from both ends. Well, right. And, and to add a little, just to give it a little bit more of a spin on it too, as Stephen is pointing out, you know, they're talking about if you make 400,000 a year or more, yeah. uh, then, you, then you'll be taxed. But once they destroy the middle class, 400k kind of becomes the middle class right um you know if you you destroy the middle i mean middle class right now has a definition i don't know exactly what it is but i think it's somewhere between uh per family seventy five thousand to 250 thousand a year is my guess but if you destroy that class that just moves the 400k people that redefines the middle class and then you're taxing them. So then you are taxing the middle class 65%. Right. Um, because of course the, it's the ultra 
bajillionaires who are the ones who uh, are going to get away with the most, the ones who own Walmart and own, you know, four hundred thousand dollars a year. That's that's somebody who's who owns a successful, large, mid-sized business. Yeah. That, you know, you're not talking about uh, the Walton family or anything no, at that point. They're like, billions. you're talking. Yeah. If you, if you have a family who owns maybe a chain of, I don't know, chicken joints or something. Um, and when I say chain, I mean, a regional chain. <laughs> I, I would like, even uh, say, uh, see, I think, I think the, those well, like types for instance, of companies in your area yeah. in, in, in LA mm-hmm. making 400 K a year. That is the middle class. Basically. Oh yeah. That is middle class. Yeah. That's, if you that's, make, if you make under 200, you, you're not, you've you're got a lot of by. worries. <laughs> you're you are, scraping by. <laughs> yeah. You are scraping yeah. by in LA with 200 K. Yeah. Um, which sounds crazy, and, and, but that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I get a little distracted here, but sorry. Yeah. Let me uh, let me mention a couple other things here. The the actual three ways. Number one is scale up the deployment of technologies, and those technologies include, uh, in particular, stand out for delivering value for business and governments to safeguard. One of them is block, 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 blockchain. Blockchain. Uh, big data analytics and. Artificial intelligence. So AI and blockchain to help root <laughs> out buzzwords. Corruption. I, is nothing. I know, I know, but it's just, it's funny how the world economic forum are saying that that's how you route out corruption. And it's like, well, why don't we do that with the world economic forum first? How about that yeah. folks? Yeah. Number two, ensure ESG includes good governance ESG, okay. which is environmental, social and governance reporting. Uh, yet the G, which is governance, must be treated with a sense of urgency and priority as well. Without effective governance, we may fall short on the delivery of everything else. Let's remember Enron and the 2008 financial crisis. Oh, no. Remember. Um, nice, little, uh, nice little nod to uh, Sidney Powell with yeah. the Enron, bringing up the Enron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they want anti-corruption. Uh, they said anti-corruption represents one of the core metrics for reporting sustainable value creation. What? How? I, okay. I want to know like the app, you know, like the, these guys go into some app company. All right. Use blockchain, use AI. We need an anti-corruption metric <laughs> and uh, we're going to call it, uh, we're going to re- create sustainable value creation points based on it. <laughs> I mean, okay. what are you Don't talking about? Don't know what about? any of that means, but whatever you say. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, what gets measured gets done. What? Okay. <laughs> we believe these <laughs> metrics will be a key to achieving the SDGs. Investing more efforts on the G piece helps build a solid integrity culture, which is one of the foundations of fighting corruption. And then number three, si- uh, think sy- systemically uh, and work collectively. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a bunch strict. of jibber jabber. It's jibber jabber. No, it's just a bunch of jibber jabber buzzword nonsense to justify their complete takeover of the world. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um. So anyway, that was the article, and um, just as a periphery to some of this, real briefly here, this is edxlive.com. Uh, there was a headline that said COVID nineteen worsening gender based violence, human trafficking for women. 
according to the United Nations, and they called it a shadow pandemic. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't it's, surprise me at all. It doesn't. And they call, In but, fact, I think it's the fringy weird folks that could have told you that before exactly, all this nonsense happened. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's uh, called it or, you know, tried to tell you. Totally. Kind of moment. Because, yeah, locking all this down is going to make all that stuff worse. And I like how the UN are calling it a shadow pandemic. We got the, the, the pandemic, you know, but we, and then we have the, uh, what was the other pandemic? The fake news pandemic. Yeah. The info pandemic, the info or pandemic, disinfo pandemic. And then now we have the shadow pandemic, which yeah. is, uh, yeah. And got crazy. You must be crazy. If you believe by in the lockdowns, by the way, yeah, it's the lockdowns that are, are giving the spike in a lot of the, you know, the unfortunate stats in, uh, you know, uh, domestic abuse and stuff like that right right and uh, last quick headline update here to, as a peripheral this is finextra.com ccaf that's the cambridge center for alternative finance world bank world economic forum study into covid19 impact on fintech a sneak peek and they uh they go through the collaborative mission between all these organizations and yeah. how they're they're gonna digitize everything everything's going digital it's if I solve. never hear the word fintech again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> I really started hating that word. I'm going to write you a, a letter and call it. No, don't. don't love do letter it. to fintech. <laughs> love letter to fintech. I that would love. be a very funny uh, open letter to write. Yeah, I think I think yeah. you should do you it. Would, you would write it from the uh, the perspective of a domestic abuse uh, victim <laughs> That's who's true. in a relationship with fintech. Yeah. For those who so. don't know, fintech is a dumb word that means financial technology. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, anything else on that? Nope. Just, uh, yeah, I wish I had more good news, but I think part of the this whole process here is to inform people about the reality of the situation we're in and, um, and share some of these articles to, to, and point out some of the inconsistencies and the ridiculousness that they're peddling because it's all published you know they think they're getting away with it yeah they do but they're not yeah. well they no might way. they might but <laughs> well they might they might the way things are going but, uh you know we're, okay. we're good we're grounded we have jesus we're good but also you know uh, but that, also we're taking a break we're taking a break Okie dokie, folks. We're just going to take a quick break. I saw some people actually in the chat asking about support links, and uh, we will teach you about that in just a second. But don't go anywhere, uh, because after this break, where we're going to thank uh, a few producers, um, in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking about the Trump New Age and uh, his new potential moves in regard to the election fraud thing. And I'm going to be going on a beautiful rant about double speak and mind control and uh, just the messiness that's going on in the world. And it might pertain to you. So uh, stick around for after the break. We've also got an update on the beast system. You're going to want to you're going to want to hear it, folks. It's very important. But before that, we are going to thank some of our producers. That's right. Producers, you say. I, I say yay. Yes, indeed. Producers. You might notice that uh, we do not 
uh, read any ads on this podcast. We don't have any sponsors, no corporate sponsors, at least. We are completely free from the shackles of corporate money, which a lot of podcasts can't say. Not going to name any names, but uh, it is a viable way to finance uh, you know, a podcast if you're trying to do it um, professionally. But we decided a long time ago that uh, gaining your trust and your attention just to turn around and sell it to an advertiser uh, seemed like an inhuman way to try to, uh, you know, uh, break away from the the global theology of advertising. Um, and you know what? We're all about being <laughs> counterculture around here, apparently. And uh, so that's one of the ways that we do it now. Um, Let's see here. Oh, I've completely lost control of my VR space, so I'm just going to run blind on this one, as always, I guess. Um, so there you go. Uh, instead of luring adver- you, dear listener, in uh, to be advertised to uh, by advertisers, big companies, Swiffer, WetJet, whoever, that incentivize Gons and I to consider you as a number, a piece of cattle, a commodity to be sold and traded on a global market for our own personal gain. Instead, we work on the value for value model, which is very simple. Uh, the way it works is we create value by doing the show, doing it pretty often. And uh, we like to think we do a pretty good job with it. And uh, we make it available to you for free. And if you get any value out of what we do, whether it's education or analysis or uh, double speak finger pointery or uh, even just uh, entertainment, whatever it may be, um, you have the opportunity to become an actual producer of the show. And uh, we have people coming in and doing that in several different ways. One is with your treasure. You can support us at uh, financially if that is in the cards for you. But if supporting us financially is not possible, that's totally fine. There's tons of ways to support the show, uh, like with your time and with your talent. And we will thank some of our time and talent folks uh, in just a second. But right now, we will thank some of our new producers of the show. Uh, these are real credits. You can uh, put this on your LinkedIn, put it on your uh, resume, give them our email. We will vouch for you. Um, and first of all, one of the easiest ways to become a producer of the show is to head over to patreon.com slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. That's patreon.com slash CCNT. Uh, there's all sorts of fun levels you can join up with there and uh, we've got uh, two new producers over there which is very nice thank you very much the first one gons are you ready to thank these producers yeah i was just looking up it looks like our facebook feed was shut down shut down that's a very specific way to describe that yeah because we're still connected to periscope and twitch and d live and youtube but mm-hmm. facebook for some reason is not they didn't connected. like us talking about the Libra rebrand, probably. Maybe, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked up in a while, but yeah, it seems yeah. like maybe that that triggered them. So. Oh yeah, look at that. It looks like yep. It looks like it shut down pretty quick, actually. Okay. Um okay. So first of all, Gons, are you ready to thank the producer? Yes. yes. Come on. Okay. If I can get control to get to my list. First of all, I want to thank our new producer, Serial King. 
lovely. Thank you very much. Producer Serial King. He's the he's not Captain Crunch. Uh Serial King. Um next we have an upgrading producer. That's producer Charlie. And she updated to $33. That's right. She's joined the 33 brigade. That's what I'm calling. Instead of us having to say 33 club and then backpedal every time, I'm just calling it the 33 brigade. Nice. Nice. Okay. And that's all of our uh, new producers for the Patreon, patreon.com slash CCNT. Now that's not the only place that you can uh, support us with your finances. Uh, a lot of people don't like Patreon. There's a lot of reasons not to like Patreon. That's okay. That's why we have canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. Canarycryradio.com slash support is another great way to support the show. You've got PayPal options. You can come in with a monthly producership. Uh, or if uh, commitment is not your thing, you can come in with a one-time producership in any amount. There's also cryptocurrency. You can read about the Canary Cry uh, roundtable of knights and dames over there. A lot of great information just uh, regarding our philosophy around um, producing the show as well. So go to canarycryradio.com slash support and Gons, did anybody come in on the PayPal? I think we had one, we had some recurring. Uh, so thank you for all the recurring producers. Uh, we you. only had one new producer that I could see and it was Jonathan W. Oh, thank you very much. Producer Jonathan W. Yep. Okay. Well, that makes the break short. Yep. I'm sure there's lots of people happy about that. <laughs> sure. So thank you to all of our producers. We truly cannot do it without you. Um, and thank you to our monthly recurring producers laying down a stable bed um, to, you know, help us get through the month. And uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that the producership segment is a little bit shorter. We have had some consistency issues lately. Um, so I take a little bit of, uh, I don't know, consolation in that, oh, but, yeah. but now is a great time. If you've been thinking about uh, helping produce the show uh, or you just enjoy the show and haven't become a producer yet, or you want to produce another episode, please consider heading over to canarycryradio.com slash support. We're moving into the holiday season. Um, so we understand that uh, times can be tight. Don't worry. Don't feel guilty if you can't, but if you got a couple bucks, really anything um, helps. And you know, it's one of those things you set your own, you set your own value on the show. It's uh, one of those systems where, you know, with an, a show that includes advertising, oh, you know what, you, hold on what? one second. I think what? I know why we, we don't have any supporters this week. Oh, <laughs> somebody's saying canarycryradio.com slash support is not working. It's canarycryradio.com has been down for over a week. That's why. Oh yeah, my God. It's still down. I forgot to How did we get you. any producers i am not sure actually but oh, that, that would wow. be a good reason why people well, i think if they go straight to paypal they can do it truth is truth in the chat thank you very much for bringing that to our attention hmm yeah uh, well we know that uh, at least i know the issue i just it's uh the the, so the, the fellow that I can will. help us is really slow on the uptake yeah well here's what i will say if you have paypal um you can just do it directly through paypal i believe our paypal uh, 
address thing. Oh, on the screen right now, there is a, uh, a QR code. Yeah. Aim your smartphone camera at that QR code and it, uh, press the little link and it'll take you to support us. Um, I think, I hope. Also, if you just have PayPal and you want to figure it out yourself, our email is canarycryradio uh, at gmail.com. That's, that's the associated email. Am I correct? Yeah. Wow. Okay. We got to get that working. I know. There's people out there who want to produce the show. We got to let them produce the show. Okay. So there you go. If you got PayPal, you can do it all on your own. Uh, canarycryradio at gmail.com is uh, our our PayPal thing there. Okay. Um, but finances is not the only way your treasure is not the only way to support the show. You can also become a producer by giving us your time or your talent. Gons, tell us more. You can support the show with your time and talent. And one of the ways to do it is with a jingle. We've gotten Woo! jingle, uh, submissions every once in a while, and they're all fantastic. We just ask that you do them as uh, show related content although mm-hmm. we do love past content that you may have produced that has to do with topics of the show we, lo- we want something a little more specific we're greedy <laughs> or maybe just very specific just more particular particular you know something that has to do with the show it's a great uh, opportunity when something comes down the the pike down the line uh like for instance uh, klaus schwab and the world economic forum uh we're talking a lot about them we're going to be talking more about them in the future somebody out there might want to make a little jingle for the world economic forum so whenever we talk about them uh we can play that little jingle it's a fun way for people to help out with the show and uh get a, a wide variety of creative input into the production of the show some people they tell us all the time that the jingles are their favorite part of the show which uh you know i don't know how to feel about that but i'm glad they're enjoying something <laughs> forget all the part where they talk let's just yeah. have a series of jingles <laughs> yeah, let's just play the jingles we can do the uh, condensed version canary cry condensed uh where it's just uh, a bunch of jingles well they'll be <laughs> no, happy to no hear talking at all yeah no talking they'll be happy to hear our little jingle for the art one art please and we always love our artists coming in this week or at least for this episode we only have a couple pieces of art to share with you the first one uh actually it's a pair from grace and uh hey you know what these quotes i think it's from me because i think it's from the last episode and i was doing it solo the first quote here i tried to make the robot seem more human (laughs) that was uh pertaining to the flippy update with the creepy Ah, looking uh he uh, tried so valiantly. He did. He did, but no go. And it's a good, it's a good uh, uh, rendering of it because the robot is written in kind of a mechanical uh, type font, and mm-hmm. the human part has like different human aspects with each letter. So you got the yes. skin color, skin tones, hair, eyeball, lips, fingers. Oh, fingers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Woo. Doing well. So I was a little very worried well there done. that Grace got a little uh, blue. For a second, okay. but she didn't. Good job, Grace. No, good job, Grace. Uh, second one from Grace, actually. Uh, this one is, hey, let me go. Look it up on the Splinternet. Whoa. And uh, that, that's a real thing, by the way, Basil. I don't know if you realize that, but the Splinternet is a, a thing happening. 
with the world, oh. the, the internet, yeah, the splitting, splitting of the internet, right? Between nations and corporations. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so It'll very be good downfall. Very good. Uh, and one more piece of art. Thank you. Producer grace for those quotes. Keep them coming. And of course, producer Ali, uh, this one is for you, Basil. She mm. made Monty Ford tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, this is great. And uh, we of have, of course, we're all we're all mourning the recent passing of my uh, cancer-laden cat. She had a, a, a peaceful go at it uh, at home, which we are very happy about. But yes, we are taking Monty the Fourth tryouts. And uh, Allie, great job here. Looks like we've got a couple of contestants. Um, on the left, we have Jerboa, Jerboa. which is. Is like uh, one of those little kangaroo mice, I yeah. think, yeah. is what I'm looking at. Yeah, okay, this is cute. I could get it. I could cuddle that. Uh, next, we've got a tufted deer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen one of these in a zoo. If I remember correctly, they're kind of like these weird, tiny little dog deer. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about cleaning up deer poop. I don't know if I could convince it and on the right we have an armadillo an armadillo which i think is pretty i'm uh, i'm pretty fascinated by the idea of having an armadillo there's a couple of issues well first of all i will say armadillo for a long time i mean when i had a favorite animal it was an armadillo i just thought they were so cool <laughs> so i'd be into that i'm pretty sure you can get leprosy from armadillos um I'll have to fact check that though. I just, but, uh, I just pulled up uh -huh. the Jerboa mm -hmm. and some pictures of it. And Pretty wow, cute. that thing, it's, uh, no cute, cute <laughs> in a creepy kind of way. I, guess. I mean, they're <laughs> okay. cute, but they're, I, I don't know how to get feel a monkey like, uh, like Justin Bieber. Oh yeah. There you get go. A monkey for about four months, I think. Um, but anyways, Allie, great job. Uh, I, <laughs> I, really appreciate your ability to uh, switch from doing perfect renditions of Joe Biden and uh, Obama into uh, really doing a beautiful job drawing a jerboa, a tufted deer, and an armadillo. Um, I'll keep everybody posted on which one of those three contestants <laughs> get to live in my house rent-free. Fantastic. Great job, producer Ali. Keep him coming. Thank you very much. And that's it for, oh, the timestamps. I needed to thank Jade Bouncerson once again. I think she, or yeah, she was the one that uh, did the timestamps in the last. Jade Bouncerson. Yeah. I have not heard of this uh, producer before. Is yeah. she new? I, I think. Or he, I don't know. I, th I think it is uh, somebody that we know. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, somebody that we know. Yeah. Very much uh, for giving us the timestamps. Uh, this helps people uh, kind of jump around the episode. You know, if they're new to the show, they want to um, go directly to a certain subject or topic matter, uh, then they can do that without listening to all the uh, jibber jabber. I know a lot of people uh, love jumping around. So there you go. And a very important part of the Canary Cry uh, ecosystem there, making the show better, making the community better. Um, so thank you to all of our producers, whether it's with your treasure, your time, or your talent. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And we could not do what we do if it weren't for our producers. Um, remember, 
uh i guess our support page is down right now but we have patreon.com slash ccnt as well as uh, if you got paypal uh, our paypal email address is just canarycryradio at gmail.com yep and make sure you check out canarycrymerchperch.com and get yourself some swag yeah uh, um i saw a question do we know when merch perch stuff is shipping uh we do not know that yeah that we don't not it's out of our control uh producer dust um if you're listening and you have any update on that uh send us an email let us know if we can tell anybody anything i think it's from what uh, i think it runs through a manufacturing um company so I assume they have their act together and you should have it before Christmas. Although um, I just can't make those promises. I'll have to talk to producer dust. Yep. Yep. Keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, head over to canarycrymerchperch.com to get your Canary Cry merchandise. Uh, it is a family run operation. A producer of the show runs it. Um, everything is sold at cost to make it the most affordable for our dear Canarians. And uh, you do get the opportunity to tip the webmaster, uh, which please do because it costs him money to run the thing. Um, as well as you can tip the artist or you can tip uh, Gonza myself. There you go. CanaryCryMerchPerch.com. Woo! Yes, it's wake-up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. Okay, folks, it's time to wake up. Now, I wanted to start out with this article from WND.com. And Gons, hit me with a little bit of a Trump jingle. We will launch a new age! That's right, folks. We're launching the new age. WND.com, which uh, is a a famously right-leaning outlet. But I've seen this article or versions of this article or claims from this article floating around. And I really feel like I need to discuss it. I'll read through it to kind of give you an idea. Um, but there's a bigger conversation to be had. Uh, the article is titled treasonous enemies within three star general pushes Trump to use emergency powers. Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney, U.S. Air Force retired, said in a no holds barred interview that he doesn't believe the courts are likely to come through for President Trump. Despite massive amounts of evidence of widespread irregularities, many judges appear either unable or unwilling to sort through allegations of rigged voting machines and dozens of affidavits from eyewitnesses to ballot stuffing denial of Republican poll watchers from observing the process evidence of more votes cast in hundreds of precincts than were registered to vote and a host of other irregularities. Now, keep in mind right off the bat here, uh, it's not that uh, judges are unable or unwilling. Um, a lot of them are a lot of those court proceedings are getting hung up on the uh, uh, the standing issue where those who are bringing the uh, court uh, filings do not have standing to actually carry the the trial through but let's keep going the general placed the burden squarely on president trump to use the emergency powers as at his disposal and put down what he described as a coup d'etat in progress um i do want to mention coup d'etat is being thrown around quite a bit uh 
historically and implicitly coup d'etats are uh, sort of implicitly a military uh, forced uh, uh, activity right. to change an administration. So right. that's one thing that, again, we're coming, we're trying to step outside of the left, right paradigm. I know we have a lot of, um, people who support Trump and want to see some stuff happen with this uh, chicanery, but calling it a coup d'etat is is just vulgar. It just isn't a coup d'etat. Yeah. Um, to have a coup d'etat, you need the military involved. It needs to be forced. Um, this is more trickery, if indeed uh, the facts about the election are, or the uh, the allegations about the election fraud are true. It's more trickery, not coup d'etat. But we'll be hearing more about coup d'etat as we go. Well, I mean, that, that yeah. I will uh, just to sort of uh, not counter that point necessarily, but Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to note because if, you know, aspects of the CIA or the FBI or other organizations are involved in mm-hmm. part of that election, you know, fraud type of stuff, then would that be considered military? The no. military industrial um, complex? I mean, you can see, you can call it a lot of things. And what's going on with this coup d'etat thing is... It's a it's an easy reference phrase to use um, because a lot of people there's just not another word for what may be happening. Um, But a coup d'etat explicitly uh, is by force. I mean, with all coup d'etats throughout history, there are soldiers storming the palace. That is what a coup d'etat is. It's military. It almost always is somebody, uh, well, it's the military using military force to oust some sort of leader. Um, that is the historical uh, framework for a coup d'etat. Uh, and uh, I mean, nobody is going into the White House with guns to, to de-seat sure. Trump. That right. would be a technical, historically accurate coup d'etat. Um, but the reason I even point this out, it's it's kind of a myopic thing to focus on, which I understand, and a lot of people don't care. Uh, but the reason why I do care and why I'm making a big deal about it is because this matters. The, the rhetoric being used, you know, I love pointing out <laughs> uh, manipulative rhetoric uh, in in all things. And of course, usually it's HuffPost or CNN or, uh, you know, someone you love to hate that I pointed out, but I would not be stepping outside of the left, right paradigm if I did not do the same thing to conservative leaning outlets. So the use of coup d'etat to describe what's going on, uh, may, whether it's on purpose or not, is not an accurate description of what's going on. But so (laughs) as Phil Parker put it up, sorry. It's not a coup d'etat. It's a coup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Little Kaya's. (laughs) Yeah. You should just call it a coup. Like it's okay to just call it a coup is not a coup d'etat by force. Okay. Moving on. Here's a quote. When you coordinate six to 10 states using cyber warfare, again, kind of an exaggeration, but okay. To change the outcome of the election in favor of whoever you want. These are treasonous acts. I'll agree. They may be treasonous. Um, McInerney said in a November 29th interview with Brennan, House of Worldview Weekend TV. 
uh, not just fraudulent acts. Quote, these are not just fraudulent acts. They are treasonous acts because it means changing the government, the general said. And when you add Russia, China and Iran foreigners into it, you complicate it and make it even more treasonous. So cyber warfare and Dominion voting systems, which were we're talking about in Georgia, Michigan and several other states, Pennsylvania as well, using hammer and scorecard which are ballot manipulation software attacks. Plus, has anyone seen the Justice Department or FBI in any of this? That is very worrisome. I agree with everything you just said. McInerney is not just any retired general making these claims. He's highly decorated, having flown 400 combat missions over Vietnam. He was in charge of NORAD for Alaska and had, ooh, NORAD, hmm, and had top security <clears throat> clearance with responsibility for the U.S. nuclear arsenal. He spent 16 years as a military analyst with Fox News. Quote, he is not only a patriot, he is a historian, and he understands the massive threat now faced by America, House said. McInerney said the fraud seen on Election Day could easily be repeated in Georgia to steal the two U.S. Senate seats up for election there on January 5th, giving Democrats full control of the government. McInerney said that after listening to President Trump talk with Fox News, Maria Bartiromo, on Sunday morning, he was concerned that the president sounded kind of down that is concerning as well uh, the, that worries me when trump is not all amped up and he seems worried uh, that worries me because i have yet to see anything get that guy down uh quote what startled me was he kept talking about fraudulent votes and then i heard rudy giuliani talking about fraudulent votes it's not fraudulent votes the american people must understand we're talking about treason McInerney said President Trump must be compelled by his supporters to, quote, honor his oath of office and employ the tools available to him to quash the insurrection that he believes is in progress. He said U.S. Marshals should not, uh, should have immediately seized the voting machines in Georgia and every battleground state as soon as it became apparent that ballot numbers were skewed in favor of Joe Biden. According to attorney Sidney Powell, speaking in an interview with Lou Dobbs, the Dominion, so voting, uh, bah, 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 Dominion Systems machines were set to give Biden a weighed count of 1.25 votes for everyone he received, while Trump's votes were set at 0.75% of each vo uh, vote. 0.75%. I don't know if that's what they were meaning to say, but uh, of each vote he received. This means that 2.7% of the votes were switched from Trump to Biden in multiple battleground states. Massive fraud was also reported with the mail-in ballots in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Arizona. At a public hearing on Monday held by state legislators in Arizona, witnesses reported their state had 1.9 million mail-in ballots that were separated from envelopes without any signatures that could be verified. Similar reports dripped out of Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Um, just to point it out, not that it matters that much, but they say uh, the ballots without si any signatures that could be verified. Um, phrasing it that way without any signatures makes you think that they had no signatures, uh, or at least that maybe some of them had no signatures, uh, when in fact the signature verification, I'm not too convinced with verifying uh, signature verification. Um, I know that my signature almost never looks exactly the same. Um, I'm not even sure if signature verification, that's such a 
archaic way to verify things but anyways quote we had the director of the cisa the Cybersecurity infrastructure security agents chris krebs who was fired two weeks ago by president trump say this was a perfect election please said mcinerney this was the worst election in the history of any democracy and he comes out and says everything was perfect so you can see the work of the deep state which is complicit in this treason seems reasonable the retired three-star general was very specific, and here's where it gets a little worrisome. In what he said Trump must do to put down the coup, he must invoke the executive order that Trump signed on September 12, 2018, allowing the president to declare a state of emergency related to foreign intervention in U.S. elections. Quote, he has got to declare a national emergency. He should also use the Insurrection Act, uh, which has a lot of concerns about it, but that's okay because we have an insurrection right now in this country when you look at Antifa and BLM, plus other groups. He must suspend habeas corpus as President Lincoln did in 1861 and Franklin Roosevelt did in 1942 when World War II started. McInerney said a silent coup is being perpetrated in plain view. It could turn violent, but so far it remains bloodless. The Chinese military doctrine of warfare includes six stages, uh, yada, yada, yada. So uh, the thing that I really wanted to point out <clears throat> was suspending habeas corpus as President Lincoln did in 1861 and Franklin Roosevelt did in 1942 when World War II started. What he's referring to here is uh, martial law and military tribunals. Now, martial law, obviously we know what that is. That's a military occupation uh, of the U.S. military on U.S. soil, which uh, is concerning for a lot of reasons. That's how you get forced vaccinations. That's how you get curfews uh, being held up by uh, U.S. soldiers. That's how you get a lot of stuff we don't like the idea of. Habeas corpus, being suspending habeas corpus, also a big issue, uh, referring to military tribunals. Um, which we'll talk about in a second. And he refers to President Lincoln uh, doing or, you know, making this move. And Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt, FDR, FDR did it in World War II. And here's where I have a problem. Because what we have here is, you know, a very respected guy calling for an absolutist um military action on the on on american soil and this is not very cool for a couple of reasons but first of all let me mention president lincoln did do this he did it during the civil war specifically to uh, uh deal with confederate spies and uh, confederate uh, rabble rousers uh in the north who were explicitly deemed as enemies of the Union. And uh, FDR did this as well, specifically to deal with uh, Nazi spies that were on U.S. soil. Now, that is way different than the situation that we are in now. Uh, right now, there is no individual person that can be that is not 
and that is not an American citizen uh, that can be tried in this manner. Uh, and especially because none of these people are congressionally approved adversaries of the United States. Um, with President Lincoln, you had a congressionally approved enemy of the Union, which were Confederate spies. And in FDR's case, you had congressionally approved enemies of the United States, Nazi spies, uh, who, you know, it makes sense to sort of suspend the rules when you are in an actual war uh, with lives on the line and, uh, you know, American troops whose lives are at stake because of a acting foreign entity the problem we have right now is there is no there is no official enemy uh in this case and this is really worrying and i get it if you're a trump supporter and you're frustrated by all the shenanigans going on we're all frustrated i'm very frustrated as well but to give president trump the a-okay to hold military tribunals in a peacetime situation uh, when there's not actual individual foreign actors that we're grabbing and trying to, you know, prosecute. This is very dangerous just as a precedent setting conversation. Um, you know, you may feel very strongly that there is, you know, foreign interference and there very well may be. I'm not I'm, you know, I'm not saying there isn't, but there's not an individual, you know, there's not like, hey, we got this guy, Vladimir, uh, not Putin, but this other Vladimir, and he was sneaking in and he was uh, fiddling with voting machines. And we got this other Chinese guy and this other Iranian guy. And uh, we got to get him. We got to get him. There's really none of that. All the enemies in this case are basically democratic politicians now if you set a precedent where trump is allowed to uh suspend habeas corpus and hold military tribunals um against political uh uh i don't even know what to call them but just other politicians this is a very, very dangerous precedent, and I'm very concerned with how, uh, you know, many of our brothers and sisters on the conservative side of the political spectrum, where once conservatives were, you know, the biggest enemy was martial law, where the worst thing that could happen would be military tribunals and martial law and the suspension of habeas corpus, the very foundation of the American justice system, uh, that just seemed like nonsense that Obama would do or some other evil Democrat president. They are begging for Trump to take military action uh, on American citizens right now. And it is really concerning to me. And, you know, I would love to hear uh, if you have different ideas about this, Gans, I'll give you a second. But this is really, talk about doublespeak. Somehow they have twisted the conservative values from small government uh, and worrying about democratic military tyrants like Obama or potentially Biden or things like this. And they are begging Trump to do the exact same thing, become a institute martial law, suspend habeas corpus, and, uh, you know, basically take wartime actions 
in what we are currently in, which is one of the longest periods or uh, one of the most peaceful periods of American history. And, uh, you know, it's easy to forget that. But as far as new wars and new uh, military actions going on, Trump's presidency has been one of the most peaceful. And I would just hate to have that change and especially as american citizens as the targets because here's one of the biggest things is precedent if trump sets a precedent where he can uh suspend habeas corpus institute uh, uh military tribunals um you know really take i mean for better for worse i mean i i hate to sound like a you know some sort of wacko here but that basically would make him a military tyrant. And we're so afraid of Obama or Biden or whoever becoming a military tyrant. Uh, but begging Trump to do it is not the solution to our problems right now. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's it. Cause he set yeah. that precedent <clears throat> in 2024. If he does it and if indeed it keeps him in office for another four years, you you might be celebrating for this four years, but you will not be celebrating in 2024 when, oh, I don't know, a Democrat gets in and says, oh, well, now we are calling fundamentalist Christians a threat to American society. So I'm going to be suspending habeas corpus and I am going to be instituting martial law and we'll be trying fundamentalist Christians because they're terrorists and uh, bad people. Well, don't worry. We're going to be using military tribunals. And you go, what? You can't do that. That's crazy. Well, Trump did it four years ago. Why can't I do it? And uh, I think, look, that might be a bit of like worst case scenario. I agree. I am thinking worst case scenario. But when you are giving uh, the total public go ahead for the government, for the government at all, no matter who's in charge of it, to suspend habeas corpus, which is the foundation of the, you know, the Western judicial system and get the military involved in a time of peace uh, against American citizens. This is not a precedent you're going to want to set when somebody else, not your guy, is fighting for, you know, whatever they're going to be fighting for. And so there's my rant. I felt very strongly about this. I talked about this with a few people and had to go in and do a lot of research. But I'm just telling you, if you are a non-left-right uh, paradigm person, you know, it's one thing if you're a diehard, you know, Republican and you just want Republicans to win no matter what. You know, that's just what you're going to do. But if you realize that the left right paradigm are two different sides of the same coin and both are working uh, to tighten control of uh, normal individual citizens trying to live their lives, uh, this is not something that you want to be in favor of. Yeah, so I. I think I agree with you mostly on what you stated. I think there's a few things you mentioned that are triggering for certain people, depending on the audience. Sure. But uh, for the most part, I tend to agree with you. I think what we have to understand that we're in this time right now where the advent of technology, the advent of the internet 
it has created a, a, a climate or an atmosphere where definitions of words don't mean the same thing anymore, where, cause a lot of it is a semantics issue. You know, when you call, you started bringing up some, you know, congressional type of definitions of. I disagree. I don't think that's semantics, but I'll let you make well, your case okay, before so, I rip you apart. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> so, okay. So this, what I'm trying to say is that this three-star general, number one, we don't know all the information that they, that they see, right? So yeah, we, yeah, totally. we, we, we are only given what we are given through media outlets which are by the day more polarized one way or the other. So it's very difficult for us who understand the right left paradigm to get any kind of balance or we, we have to take what we get from, uh, uh, you know, news sources that are continually moving further and further apart. Mm-hmm. So that's one point. Secondly, so the, this three-star general for him to justify this, he has to, I don't think he, he's just saying it because, oh, we might lose the, the Republicans might lose the election. He has to have some kind of intel that would suggest foreign actors that are truly being involved here in some kind of election meddling or whatever it is. We've heard about China. We've heard about Iran. We've heard about uh, the Frankfurt servers, the, you know, the Dominion being a, a Canadian uh, company and and yeah. so there's all kinds of international people involved. You're right in that they're not officially stated as like enemies of the state, you know, uh, uh, that we are at war with or anything like that. So I understand your concerns for just allowing uh, a, f- a nilly willy like free. Hey, let's it's, just. It's akin to the war on drugs or the war sure, on terrorism, sure. where there's no stated clear enemy. Which, as we've seen, let's just take the war on terror. As we've seen, uh, when there's not a congressionally approved enemy of the United States, then you can just do whatever you want and just call it the war on terror, which has been one of the most uh, reprehensible, you know, military campaigns in U.S. history. Right. Yeah. So, and we've reported on this channel. For American opinions. citizens, by the way, yeah. I'm not even trying to defend other people. I'm just saying for Americans, yeah. the war on terror uh, has taken away more of American citizens rights than any country has ever attempted to do on American soil. Yeah. And, and a lot of it was done, I think, on purpose to destabilize, use the, the American military arm to destabilize other nations to submit. Right. And at the same time, destroy the freedoms of our country. It's a, it's a whole you know, other rabbit hole. Yeah, it's a uh, our people rock know killing too. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, what was my? I was getting to another point there. You're talking about the semantics, even the though semantics, not- but yeah. So we've talked about and we've we've reported on this channel how we're uh, people's opinions of how we're in this cold war with China and this kind of thing, and maybe there's and I, I'm tr- I'm just trying to play if you want to call it the devil's advocate for this three-star general and trying to think sure. what would he actually, cause he, he's not, he must understand at some level that if you allow this rabbit out of the hat, then it could backfire like crazy with whoever, if Biden totally. even takes office in January, it can backfire in months, you know, like 2021 could be a horrible year for people that want to stand for the constitution and freedom and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, and look, I'm not sorry. Keep your thought. Don't mm-hmm. lose it. 
But yeah, when I'm talking about 2024, if Trump does do this and instigates all this stuff we're talking about and still loses, which is possible, it's not Mm -hmm. impossible, then Biden takes control in January. And then again, precedent setting has precedent and will probably already be in a state of uh, martial law and you could just go straight into forced vaccinations or whatever. This is the worst possible thing in any case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but my point about the technology was that warfare in general looks different. That's in, true. In a sense with, and the article even mentioned the cyber warfare type of thing. And again, it's hard because there's no language warfare it's when hard to identify the enemy. Identify in, the in enemy number warfare. one, but also define exactly what a cyber war warfare. looks like. Yeah, you know, yeah. because the public at large doesn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you might understand it if you're a techie person, but then yeah. then you fall into the trap of oh, we're just building a technocracy. We're 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 in this civil war between technocrats, people that understand what's going on technically. Yeah, um, and so we're and and. Yeah, I think there is something going on in the, between the white hats and the the bad actors and hackers and stuff like that. That's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if Trump does this, this is the one thing he can do that I'm, I, I if he does do something like this and pulls it off and he's in office for another four years, it'd be very hard to do. But if if there are enough Republicans in the Senate and you know enough influence, uh, strong arming the House and everything, he could sort of. Uh, amend certain things uh to update uh how certain pieces well, i think of that needs to be done either way it needs to be yeah. done either way but yeah. he might have the ability to do that or have some time to implement that so that it, it can't be abused you know moving forward so maybe yeah. that's the grand that's, plan of trump that's possible but you want to hear my most recent crazy conspiracy theory trump is a reptilian <laughs> that's launching the new age theory that's <laughs> that's true yeah okay, well. um <clears throat> no my my new and it only came when i was like reading through this and breaking it down i mean how brilliant of a conspiracy would it have been if trump sabotaged his own election and framed whoever needs to be framed to get public support for basically becoming a military dictator Mm. Is, is that he, from your lib joe friend no no i just thought <laughs> about that you know because i'm just trying to look at all angles i mean you can't sure. re- i i can't really trust any of the sure. red or the blue or either yeah. thing they're all in it for power and in the end they're all working towards the same goal but i mean if there was a conspiracy where trump sabotaged his own election and made it all wonky, wonky enough. Cause I mean, he really hasn't done a whole lot. There hasn't been a whole lot done. There's been attempts at a few court filings that haven't gone through. He hasn't done a whole lot to fight this, mm-hmm. but what if he sabotaged his own election to get support? And, and maybe he does, you know, maybe he would have won the election. It's very possible that he has more support then i mean he definitely has more support than the media would let on but if he knew that 
if he could make it look like a totally botched election that his supporters, which are probably the majority, would not only let him forcefully stay in the White House, but give him the public approval to basically turn into a military dictator, turn into, you know, instigate martial law, suspend habeas corpus, you know, get get uh, execute emergency powers, which basically does make the president a king, which is the exact power that I think he would really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's that's not crazier than a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories. Sure. Yeah. I mean. In my opinion, the agenda for these elections, whether you're on the right or the left, it doesn't matter. The agenda for this election was to ruin the confidence of, uh, of the public in terms of a U.S. election in general. And mm-hmm. I, if you're thinking about a Hegelian dialectic, I think this was even stated by some you know, ex-CIA or something saying that, oh, 2020, our goal is to just ruin confidence. And... If you're thinking about the technocrats and what they would do, what the move is for them, they would want destruction. They would want distrust and falling apart of a traditional, the traditional way of doing things because like with money, like with anything that's going digital, we're seeing changes and we're seeing sort of the, the, the inability for certain ways things happened to adapt because if you're here's the thing, and I think there's some merit to this idea of Trump knowing that it's going to you know fall apart. Because if Trump really wanted to do do something and, and make a really honest election, he definitely had the ability to put in some executive yeah, order I mean, or whatever. He's been calling he's been calling fraud on the election for four years. He's been assuming that there was going to be fraud. You would think that he would have put some things in place to mitigate it a bit beforehand. Sure. sure. <laughs> and, Which, you know, we've, yeah. <laughs> we've heard about the watermark and stuff, but have yet to see anything come from it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was, but again, there is technology that is way ahead of the, the stuff that we're using in the elections, the way they are and technology that would uh, not compromise certain aspects of privacy and things like that. And still, allow both sides of the right left to sort of hold each other accountable to keep things transparent. In yeah. The, election. the theater, the, yeah. the, the theater of the left, right paradigm, you know, it would make more sense. <laughs> my, my Trump conspiracy would make more sense, uh, regarding Biden being the, <laughs> the nominee for the Democrats. I mean, it makes no sense. He's the least presidential guy we've ever seen. Well, we know that it's, it's, it's it looks really like a wackadoodle choice for the Democrats. So it would make more sense him being chosen uh, if it was all, you know, some big. And again, we know that the president is just a puppet basically for forces that are bigger than we could probably comprehend. Um, but yeah, anyways, so there you go. I just want, I just really want people not to get too worked up and get too excited about martial law. <laughs> that if, that if point find- I will say <laughs> has been one of the most interesting things about the Trump presidency is yeah. the, the, the turnaround of people the switcheroo. Yeah. That were so against the new world order and saying that, Hey, there's going to be a military takeover. 
of the United States, all those people seem to have been like, oh, but it's okay if Trump does it because he's fighting for us. And that, that switcheroo has been very fascinating to watch. So I'll agree yeah. with you 100% on, on that front because it, it really was, it was uh, a big red flag for me. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously it, it's anytime that kind of, um, uh, rhetoric becomes ideological. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime it flips like that, you got a question like, wait a minute, what's the true agenda here? And, um, you know, part of the problem also is that most people that, uh, are for the Trump martial law type of situation in the public anyway, mm-hmm. are likely not those who have been studying the new world order, likely not looking yeah. and probably woke up to some realities of stuff in the last four years, you know, because mm-hmm. of the whole, you know, pizza gate and Q on it, whatever, whatever their path was to learning about some of the corruption and the darkness and the Satanism and all that. Yeah, sure. But it, it doesn't justify some of the moves that you would make, uh, especially in America, because it is a, a limited term. Yeah. You know, it would make sense if he's like, oh, he's going <laughs> to reign forever, like MAGA forever. And like Alex Jones said, you know, statues of, Trump on Mars, you know, he's going to rule till he's 180 or whatever. Like, okay, maybe, I mean, even in that case, there's some problems, obviously, but, but you can't just let every cat out of the hat, out of the bag and to do your own thing. You're just, uh, it's a two way street here and it's been designed that way, you know? Uh, But maybe that's what it is too. We had that conversation with Justin and, and Westfall last week about the belly of the beast and how United, the United States was created to be the new Atlantis. And uh, you know, now that the, the aspects of the new Atlantis have gone worldwide, it's time to sort of rein it in. You know, we, we've, we've allowed the quote-unquote freedom uh, to take shape and to allow the development of this technocratic society. And so now we can tear down that aspect that brought us here and and we can reel it in and now we have our completed new atlantis worldwide and i you know part of the thing you know i was thinking about this not to change the subject entirely but sort of shifting away from do you have any other points well, regarding yeah this? real quick i just want to end it on you know and you got to remember that in the end god is in charge of the whole thing yeah. He, he appoints the leaders, whether we like it or not. And in biblical times, he appointed psychopathic murderous kings and uh, other weirdos. And he appointed good guys and bad guys. And it's it's a lot of you just got to remember there are uh, purposes going on that we couldn't possibly uh, predict. And so, you know, if you're looking for a little bit of peace about it, uh, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where God put in a guy in leadership. I'm not comparing either of the candidates specifically to the psychopathic murderous kings of uh, the Middle East in the Bible. But uh, no matter where you land on that subject, um, God's in control and he's got a plan. And so that, that should give you at least a little bit of a breath of, uh, you know, give you a sigh of relief before we all die of stress, heart attacks about this whole thing. I like how we can play the chameleon when it comes to being like a godly citizen, you know, because you can say like, Hey, God's in control of Trump. And the Republicans <laughs> would be like, yay. And then you can say, Hey, God, 
is in control of Biden <laughs> and all the liberals will be like, that's right. This is a godly pick. Yes. Well, that's the, that's the beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, the, that's the beautiful thing about admitting that God's in control no matter what. There's not much you can argue about it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the point I was going to mention in, in context to, this is in context to, you, you know, you're mentioning the election, the story and all this. But I was thinking about this with the virus, COVID-19 virus, and I was trying to do some research and figure out if there are any nations or any corner of the, the world that, as we know it, or as we have understood it, uh, that doesn't know about the coronavirus or the, you know, the, the quote unquote pandemic. Mm-hmm. And there were some stories that came out of like, uh, you know, some pretty small nations that uh, came to an airport in Germany or something, and they were told about it. And they, you know, they were like, Oh, we, we had no idea that there was a pandemic going on. You know, people that, uh, probably just, you know, don't read the news every day or whatever. Sure. But it made me think that this pandemic, you want to call it that, uh, is worldwide, right? Everybody in the world presumably knows about it. Uh, seven and a half billion people are most of them anyway, are aware of it at least in theory. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was thinking about Matthew 24, 14. Because it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a passage that says that the gospel of the, of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And I thought, wow, isn't it interesting how the, the reality of the coronavirus, whether it's, you know, the, obviously there is some kind of virus, but it's not as deadly as, uh, as people are making it out to be. But everybody knows about it. We had a whole lockdown to pretty much every nation, uh, some kind of order by the government to put on masks and all this kind of stuff. I found it fascinating that the the idea of a pandemic perpetrated by whoever doesn't doesn't even matter. Every government reacted. This happened at a time when communications across the world are instantaneous, and it probably would have been different. Like I'm wondering during the, the whole you know, black plague and all, all the other no. plagues and stuff we had in the past. Yeah. I mean, even like people, 70 years ago, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. People on the other side of the world probably had no idea, no idea that there was yeah. like a, a, a raging pandemic going on in the United States, whatever, no idea. So it's very interesting to think that in this time we have this communication system all around the world. Everybody's involved in it. They know about it. And, if they're able to communicate the threat of some kind of virus all around the world and shut it all down, are we nearing a time or have we even passed a moment in time when the gospel has been at least uh, reached to every corner? I mean, maybe there's some tribes still in there was that one Africa island or where, some island uh, out there. Sure. That missionary got shot with a bow and arrow. And <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it was. Uh, it's it didn't pretty work intense. out very well. I don't pretty know if intense. they know about the virus or not. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Uh, other than that, so, and they can be taught about it, obviously, if you're being visited by, uh, you know, different types of people. But I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment to talk about, hey, are we in the end times? Well, go to Matthew 24, 14, ask yourself if the gospel has been preached around the whole world. And Pretty close. I would say the oh, method. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 If, if the news, if the news of the coronavirus reached every corner of the earth, then uh, 
<laughs> there's a good chance that the news of Jesus Christ has reached every corner. Either of has, as well. or we have the capability to do it now. Right. And that would, inc- that would imply that we're very close to all kinds of eschatological things to unfold. And, mm-hmm. um, and just un- as, uh, to, to finish that thought up with the story here, and then we'll wrap up the episode because we're going pretty long here. Yeah, so uh, well, we, had, we had a lot to make up for. Sure. Uh, this is a, a quick story regarding the beast system. And Ooh. here's a jingle. Speaking of the beast system. Um, this is Nikkei or Asia.nikkei.com. Asian countries build data fortresses to protect new national assets. Hmm. Very interesting thing here. And this, this is why I was bringing up the tech, technological angle and the reform and, and all that kind of stuff that needs to take place, even with the American, all the, you know, the constitution, uh, n- maybe not. I don't know. It's going to be difficult because you want to, you want to keep some of the, uh, the implied aspects of quote unquote freedom that the United States stands for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the application has to be, you got to be very careful how you amend certain aspects of that. Uh, but the article states uh, as companies place greater and greater value on big data as an essential part of their operations, nations are beginning to look at the information, which runs from home addresses to consumer behavior as a new national resource. Yeah. This rise countries are saying, I know with this rise countries are starting to build their own bastions through legislation of hoard uh, to hoard the asset. But tech companies argue these types of data fortresses will uh, stifle innovation. Asian countries have been some of the most active in this movement of the eight countries regarding uh, requiring to localize the storage of data collection with their borders. Five are in the region. The latest battleground is in India. Quote, we are concerned that some provisions in the bill would hamper the country's economic growth, constrain the ability of companies' operations in the market to innovate. A group of the 30 companies, including such big names as Microsoft and Siemens, said in a September letter addressing a set of data regulations being considered by Parliament. And there's a little chart here. Uh, or, or you know a, what I love about this? Mm-hmm. So this is a map from the European Center uh, for International Political Economy. Mm-hmm. And it's, do you notice anything weird about this map? Yeah, yeah. The United States is on the right <laughs> side of the map. Yes, it's a map from <laughs> Europe. So they put Europe on the far western edge because in europe europe is the west yeah and uh yeah the whole the continents of north and south america are all the way to the east which is really strange i've never seen a map laid out like this before yeah yeah um and it shows the asian nations and russia and that whole big body of land uh they have introduced regulations requiring domestic storage of data and then there are very little who are preparing to introduce regulations. It's really not that much going on there. Mm-hmm. And then the limit, the transfer abroad of personal data and other information, the United States, Europe, um, Australia, parts of South America. Uh, and let me just go on a little bit more and then we'll wrap it up. The framework would require businesses to store data on servers within the country while heavily restricting cross-border transfers. The rules would cover not only personal information, but also industrial data, leaving businesses alarmed at the prospect of being unable to use their own data freely. Um, and it goes on here. This is, I love this. Can you play the, the called it? Do you have that ready? 
Um, Because this is making me feel good. For those longtime listeners, you've heard my rants about how big data is uh, now, you know, being considered a national commodity like mm-hmm. oil or corn or whatever. It's no longer this, you know, this free flying big data flying around the earth thing. This it was happening with, it was the whole problem with TikTok and Trump forcing the sale of the American use of TikTok. It's because sending your data to another country is akin to letting them pump the oil right out from under your feet. Called it. Thank you. <laughs> the hoarding of data is symbolic of a broader fracturing of the internet, the splinternet. Oh my gosh. Uh, Naroki Hiraro, founder of Japanese startup Planet Way, was struck by the use of the term splinternet at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos in January. But Hiraro sees this state of affairs as temporary. Quote The nature of the data economy is that the more data you cross together, the more competitive you become, he said. Even countries that try to fence in their data will connect with the outside again as they look for more. It's kind of an interesting point, but I think it'll be regulated or at least uh, uh, filtered in a way. Well, right? well, notice how this is framed in. Uh, basically, he's framing it in the merchants of the world framework. Yeah, exactly. Meaning companies should be able to live globally and we don't need any national borders when it comes to our data. It's very, uh, you know, one world ordery, but giving the power to corporations which as we read at the top of the show with the world economic forum considering stakeholders being private corporations being the most important uh, actors um, in the globalization so this very a lot of twists and this is a this is a great find guns you found a great puzzle piece yeah thank you uh the quote here in order to address them humanity needs a digital home a space where countries, citizens, and companies can work together to tackle policy issues and ensure that technology remains at the service of humanity, he wrote, as opposed to what? Non-human? Non-humans? <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> Dogs. We can't let these poodles take all our data. But what's interesting about this, data fortresses, it really, I mean, I've talked about this passage before, but in Daniel 11, it talks about the Antichrist, the king who exalts himself. And in verse uh, between 36 and 39, it says, Then the king will do as he pleases and will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and he will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been decreed must be accomplished. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers, nor for the one desired by women, nor for any other god, because he will magnify himself above them all, which is uh, one of the main character traits of the man of sin antichrist and then verse 38 and in their place he will honor the god of fortresses mm-hmm. a god his fathers did not know right so so this is like a new god that wasn't around in the ancient times uh and with gold silver precious stones and riches he will attack the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him making them rulers over many and distributing the land for a price. So when you're talking about data and nations trying to create these fortresses, Mm. I mean, think, think about the power of this antichrist figure. It's a very interesting because 
when this was written, right, centuries ago, you know, they're probably thinking a lot of the, the people looking at it were probably thinking like, oh, they're going to have amazing castles, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they'll have a crazy army of horses and chariots. Yeah. And yeah, that's probably partly true with the, with an actual military, but also as data becomes this national asset and we ourselves as citizens are kind of the, we are the producer, we are the oil wells right? <laughs> because we produce all the data. Right. Yeah. It, it's it becomes very interesting to honor if there was a, a man who comes and galvanizes a particular nation or particular company, whatever it is, and takes over everything to the point where they are able to distribute the land for a price, you know, like, Hey, okay, you want to live here? You got to do this. And this is a, very much in line with the mark of the beast type of situation yeah. where you can't buy or yeah. sell without the mark and you, without the worship of the beast. So I just thought it was very interesting. And I I thought the move for Asian countries to build data fortresses to protect new national assets, it just speaks to, it just hits me in a very, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't want to misapply the Bible. That's not what I'm trying to do. But Mm -hmm. when I read passages like that about the man of sin, which is a, a, as I understand it, a yet future event, and then I read, you know, news headlines like this. It just makes me think like, wow, man, we are yeah. really building some, we are going into some very uncharted territory when it comes to warfare, when it comes to how military operates, how people operate, how people worship, what it means to worship, you know, all that kind of stuff. And eh, pretty, pretty prophetic is all I'll say. I think you nailed it, man. Wow. What a great couple of rants after the break here. Yeah. Maybe the second more. half of the show will just turn into rant hour. <laughs> Rantville. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Okay. Well, I like, I got nothing to add. That was great. Cool. You got Let's anything else? No, we've been going for almost uh, two, over two and a half hours. I think we're, yeah, we're good. Good. Nice long show here. So, okie dokie. Well, that just about does it, folks. So, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. We are. So glad to be back, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to stay on a consistent schedule of at least until 2021. I know we have uh, Christmas to deal with, stuff like that, but we're going to be doing our best. I'm not going to be traveling to California anytime soon, (laughs) so I should be staying put uh, like I always should have been. Um, and remember, folks, we are back in action. Our uh, canarycryradio.com slash support is dead. It's dead right now. Um, so if you'd like to become a producer of the show, we got another show coming on Friday, uh, December 4th. Two days, folks. Friday, December 4th uh, will be our next show sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we would just love it if somebody out there uh, wanted to become a producer of that show. Um, It's kind of nice when we when you have less producers. Uh, I mean, it's not nice for a lot of reasons, but you get more attention when you do produce those shows. So considering uh, that canarycryradio.com slash support is down, you can still support us, become a producer of the show. Um, You got that little QR code in the top right hand corner of the the broadcast right now. If you're watching live, you can just point your smartphone 
at that and it will give you uh well the camera turn on your camera point it at that it'll it'll bring you uh to our paypal page or if you want to just do the paypal uh, manually you can go ahead and put in canarycryradio at gmail.com that is the way to get it to us uh there's also patreon.com slash ccnt uh to become a supporter there uh, we love you producers and thank you again to our monthly sustaining producers. Um, you get you know, all producers. It's the only way we're able to keep doing the show. And if you're a creative person, we get it. If treasure is not the way for you to support the show, that is totally fine. You can uh, create art or create jingles or songs. That's right. People write whole songs for the show. Make sure to stick around for the Canary Cry mixtape at the end of the show. Um, there's always some sort of dance party going on after the show there. But if you're a creative person want to create art, uh, make sure it's relevant to the show uh, or jingles or music. In all cases, you can send that to canarycryradio at gmail.com and uh, we will put it on the show for Friday. So thank you very much again to uh, all of today's producers. That is producer Serial King, producer Charlie, producer Jonathan W. And of course, our wonderful artist artists uh ally and grace and um who's doing the timestamps or who did the timestamps jade something jade somethingson hold on uh, thank you jade somethingson bouncerson bouncerson mm-hmm. thank you very much producer jade bouncerson for uh putting in the timestamps remember folks if you're watching on youtube you can share the show because uh, we will pin the timestamps to the top of the comments where uh, friends and family can just jump around the show and they don't have to quite get used to the rambling nonsense right now if they don't want to. Um, so thank you very much, Jade Bouncherson. Um, let's see, what am I forgetting? I don't think anything. It's been a while since I've done this part. Uh, so... But another way you can support the show is by leaving ratings and reviews on whatever podcast player you use on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Leave a rating and a review. Uh, That's a great way for the iTunes algorithms to realize that they should be sharing the show with more people who have not heard it before. Or you can uh, share this episode or any episode on your social media. Tag us. We'll we'll help you signal boost that. Um, That's a great way to help as well and lastly just you know you got friends you got family they're starting to wake up that something smells fishy and uh if they need a place to explore those possibilities even more send them an episode of this show we'll be happy to help them down the narrow path of why, discovering why is, where does that term phrase come from something smells fishy i like fish what's wrong with fish Jesus ate fish. What's wrong with sm- something smelling fishy? I'd be like, oh, sweet. Time to eat. Gons is working on his tight five for when, uh, <laughs> for when comedy clubs open back up. Uh, that was pretty good. Oh, this is good. We'll keep working, working on that. But uh, share the show with a friend. And if you need any other uh, instructions, here's what you do. You walk right up to him. You grab him by the cage. And then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up. Stir up some controversy. Rattle a few cages. Get killed. Hey, stop that.
You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Cradle a few cages. Cradle a few cages. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, folks. Just ask Noah. All right, everybody. Um, Gons, we have somebody asking for the mailing address in the chat. Is that something right. you want to put in the chat? I'll throw it in the chat. Okay. Sounds good. So there you go. You can also uh, send us snail mail at this address that is going Oops. on in the chat They're right wrong. now. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Remember, we will be back on Friday, December 4th. So make sure to tune in then. But until then, think outside the cage. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. Another fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> Another fun fact. Brings me back to my screamo days. huge blunt a joint give everybody magic mushrooms smoke the CIA you know I mean lots of intelligence agencies have tested secretly dosing communities psychoactive pills should be covertly administered
just put me on some, some, I don't know. Are you shot in the butt? Fluoride, oxytocin, get a chemical hug. Uh, I did dabble, you know, some of that uh, robot crack. I know what it's like. It's a lethal, lethal recipe for disaster. If you're a pharmacist, you need to repent. <laughs> All right, weird.
future humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and The camera's on Thank <laughs> you.